I was like in a state of panic during most of that strange world review. <laughs> Why? I fucking was fidgeting with my empty beer bottle and I stuck my pinky finger in it and then it was like stuck in it for like five uh, plus minutes. I like had to go get Michelle and she was like, I'm like on mute and she's like oiling my finger up and like twisting the bottle off. <laughs> my God. <laughs> my finger's like all swole up now. From what? I was fidgeting with my empty beer bottle while you guys were reviewing that movie and I got my pinky stuck in it. <laughs> You're like fucking Mr. Bean. I know. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, hurry up, Michelle. They're almost done. <laughs> I told her I was about ready to go outside and bash my hand against the fucking concrete. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I don't even give a shit. Um, I'm upstairs yesterday and Emmett just starts screaming, but he's like laugh screaming. I like come running down. He's like, dad, dad, help. I'm like, what the fuck? And I look, the motherfucker's at full mast. And he's like, what's happening? I'm like, I don't, I got, <laughs> I'm just like, eh. And he's like, why does it feel good and bad? I'm like, I don't know. And he's just running around the living room. Was it the elemental fire lady again? I f- Dude, we were watching Incredibles, so I don't know. <laughs> it was that dump truck ass. Paul looks what? down and Paul looks down. He's like, I am too. I don't know what's going on either. And I'm running around in opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I want to make this the beginning of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> go go for it. <laughs> it's, it's a toss up between Jake getting his finger stuck in the can or <laughs> I mean it's like the whole car. You might as well just have both. Just just do both man. <laughs> Jake looks dead. Jake with his finger in the can looks down and he's at full mass too. Michelle <laughs> <laughs> Episode 446. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, this is Mike Zapsik from AMC's Comic Book Man, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Listen to you over there, man. How was that? Was that okay? It was way better than last week. <laughs> I still stand by. I thought last week was really good. While it was, it was fuck- no, man. It was worst out. It was like, dude, you were all like, yeah, I was pointing my finger and shit. And it's like, dude, nobody can see that shit. Nobody can see. I, it's for me though. It makes me go harder when I like thrust that finger. <laughs> That's not the first time I've heard that, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming, and <laughs> That's that's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jake's so classy when he jacks off, he holds his pinky up. 
man. Cavassier. Yeah, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. I found out yesterday that uh, what I've been drinking for the past six months that I thought was grape juice was fucking uh, fabuloso. So that's, uh, I'm going to have to go to the doctor. Fabuloso? Like the detergent? Yeah, man. I thought it was grape juice. Six months. Been drinking that shit. <laughs> been drinking that shit, man. Was the first time you ever tried grape juice six months ago as well? Yeah, I was just like, holy shit, man. This stuff looks tasty as fuck. Why do they have it over here with the other floor? Like with the mopping, like the floor mop shit. Yeah, hiding it over here behind the 409 and shit. What's going on with this, man? This stuff looks good. It tasted weird. It tasted like ammonia. So I was like, I don't know. But, you know. Whatever. Oh, man. And they shit on Gen Z for all the Tide Pod stuff. Listen to you. I, well, mine was an honest mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, this stuff doesn't taste too fabuloso. Ah, <laughs> uh, tastes terrible. <laughs> looks so good, though. It's a purple and it looks so tasty. I just want to drink it. The fab- I hate <laughs> things that you're not supposed to eat and drink that smell really good. Like, I fucking hate that. Why, 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 why do you hate that? I, why do I want to smell something really good and then, like, deny my other senses? Uh, okay. Oh, man. I was going to make a pussy joke, but then again, I do eat that, so... Um... Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, Jake... I mean, you wouldn't want the Gwyneth Paltrow candle for that reason. Like, you don't want to smell that when you're home alone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's fucking true. Oh shit, that's just a tease. No, it, like, well, like, like, like. Uh, I mean, I like, like, like. Just you're, we're going back to just food sense, right? Like, you have no problem with like the the smell of fresh linen, right? Correct. Okay. As long as it's not something that, like, I want to eat because I smell it, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I suppose. But I, I don't like it to smell like fucking lemon cake or blueberries or cinnamon or, like, tasty things. Listen, I used, to work, I used to work in the mall when I was younger, and I worked right across from, like, the, the, the place called the Pretzel Twister. And I smelled pretzels all fucking day. I, I, you know, I had access to eat them if I wanted to, but I didn't eat it. I didn't eat pretzels every fucking day. But it was there, and it was nice when I got to smell the pretzels. You know? Just like walking Yeah, the- that's a solid point, but you still have the option, right? If you ever broke and you wanted to eat the pretzel because of the smell, yeah. you could. Like that op- like the options are taken away from you when it's not real food. No, it's not. If, if you fucking, if you have, let's say I got a cinnamon bun candle. <laughs> I could still make cinnamon fucking buns. If I wanted to eat cinnamon buns, it's not like the option is taken away just because I lit a goddamn candle. I could still fucking crack open a tube of Pillsbury and fucking pop some of them popping fresh in the oven and make some cinnamon buns, Jake. The option is not yeah, taken away. But you may or may not have those products like handy. It's still they don't like work. the goddamn candle if it's that big of a fucking deal. Well, that's exactly. But don't. the option's still there. <laughs> the option's still there. Maybe, you know, I think peaches. What about like peaches and cream? Like what the I don't even know how you would make that. (laughs) You you would buy some peaches and you buy some cream. (laughs) Is it like half and half that you pour on that shit? (laughs) Hey, I only wanted to fuck Martha Stewart. I don't know everything she knows. 
<laughs> Listen to last week if you don't get that reference. Anyway, no, it's like I think like some of the like if you if you're a fucking like realtor and you're trying to sell a house, you know, uh, pop in the uh, the fucking uh, fresh baked bread or the cookie, the cookie dough smell and shit like that to try to make it seem more homey and shit. They do that. Like people like their homes smelling like fresh baked bullshit sometimes, Jake. Yeah, I'd rather go for like more of a wood smell or flowers. Yeah. Oh, what Look at you putting your nose up at fucking cinnamon bun candles and pound cake candles and vanilla candles. I think my favorite smell is pine. Ah, pine? Yeah, I love it. I just wish I could eat it. You know what I mean, Brian? So no, I don't I, think about eating. I know you don't, Jake. <laughs> don't take everything I say so goddamn literal. It's not trying to trick me like those other candles. Oh, man. trying to trick Fucking you. Fucking wax hurts in your mouth. Oh <laughs> God. Let's bring. Hey, Paul. Let's bring Paul on. Welcome, Paul. <laughs> you listen Thanks to this for shit. Me. Yeah. What's what's your what's your favorite scent, Paul? What's your favorite candle to light up in the house? My favorite candle it is the uh, vetiver and cedarwood. What's yeah, that? That's a good one. Yeah, it's it's a great one. Yeah, you didn't want to go with a food one because you didn't want Jake jumping down your fucking throat. No, I only no no. I only bought one food candle in my life, and it was terrible. It was like maple syrup and pancakes, and that shit got into like we could smell that for days after we threw it out. It was so like overwhelming it was disgusting i want to get i want to get garlic bread candle Dude, that's garlic fucking awesome candle. man i <laughs> make a ton of money you should probably cut that part out of this podcast the fresh cut grass candle is pretty good too i want my house mm, to smell like that a sounds good fresh cut grass you want gra- you fresh cut grass in your house yeah, yeah. dude go just mow your goddamn lawn well <laughs> <laughs> look outside and it looks like fucking weeds and shit <laughs> my yard is just wood chips I, I, I miss the smell oh, no. <laughs> what can I say I, I just don't get the disdain for the food smelling what's your favorite smell my favorite smell of all time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian counts down his top 10 smells here's our top 20 list <laughs> We should save this for a Patreon episode. It's our next top twenty. Uh, top, I don't know, top smell. I don't know. Gasoline. It's not a bad answer. I, I I'm by no means a huffer, but I don't not enjoy the smell of gas. Yeah, asparagus piss. Maybe. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird one. It's, it's up there. Take. It's kind of up there. Not everybody can smell it, so I like you know. I mean, not everybody can smell the asparagus piss. So I feel very, very blessed that I can. I get the <laughs> hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Chris yeah. Evans supposedly hates that smell. I don't care. Why the okay, fuck? Hey, I'm sorry. Why the it. fuck do I care what Chris Evans thinks about asparagus <laughs> no, piss? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a fuck? I'm sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> I like Paul's reaction to this. I don't think it's that bad of, bad of a thing, Paul. No, it, that'd be great if, like, everything throughout this episode, Paul just brings it back to Chris Evans, what Chris Evans thinks about it. Yeah. No, it was just, it was weird you said that because there was this big story about 
this girl that said she was hooking up with him and then like ate asparagus and took a pee and he went into the bathroom after her and just never called her again after it. What a, what a shallow fuck. Right, dude? What a piece of shit. Jeez. Ah, man. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I heard Chris Evans doesn't really like Willie Mays. Not a fan. <laughs> and that joke does not land at all until we've done the Willie Mays review, Jake. I, I thought it was more funny to just jump ahead. That just it doesn't land without it, it, zero. Like the only person that got that right now was Paul. That's it. <laughs> my audience of one. I know it's sad. Oh my god. For those out there that listen to the episodes backwards, like they go segment by segment backwards. Oh yeah, for the bento this shit. For those fucking idiots. <laughs> Jesus, I've lost control of this episode. It's just stupid. Um, yeah, Black Friday. I what did I, I? I bought a new washer and dryer. Nice. Yeah. So, bought an LG. I, I wanted the Samsung, but the LG had good ratings, and it's nice. It looks nice, and it's a stackable little fit. Nicely. What kind of song does it play when your loads are done? Oh, probably one that you wouldn't like, Jake. <laughs> that, that would be the number one thing to influence my buy. Yeah, it's probably. It's not going to be. Who's that lady you like? <laughs> that lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Lana Del Rey. It's, I, it's probably not a Lana Del Rey song, Jake. So. <laughs> sure, a little bit of programming. No. If, 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 if it's gonna, if, if anything, I'm gonna have it play like uh, some fucking. Uh, be cool if I could have like hear Flavor Flav go, yeah, boy, when I open up the door or something. <laughs> have some, have some Public Enemy, man. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That'd be dope. Anyway, yeah, but and, and then I got a, uh, I got last year's, uh, what is it, uh, uh, iPad. Bought an iPad. Oh, all right. Yeah. Did a three-month... see those were on sale. Those are nice. Last year's, not this year's. Last year's. It was on sale. Two- yeah, you're not missing nothing. It was uh, on sale for $270. Oh. $270 on Amazon. I did, like, the, the three-month financing. So I'm going to... It's, like, a little over... And I <laughs> I added a, uh, a tank top and a collagen mask for my face, for my skin. For, for my skin regimen. Were those on sale too? Thirteen dollars for the collagen mask. <laughs> Hope it doesn't smell like anything I want to eat. <laughs> the yeah, that would be real fucking. Like God forbid. Your face and shit. I know. Oh, it smells like pineapple. Oh no! What do I do? Maybe I could just go to the store and buy some pineapple. <laughs> That'll solve that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I bought I bought I bought a big thing. I bought one of those big like you know pine like pineapple. What are they? What are they, when they cut out like the inside like is it, cord? Is it cord? That's a pineapple cord. Yes. I, I was gonna say husk. A pineapple husk. It's not a husk. It's a well, cord. The, the, the husk is the the shell. The shell. They, the middle thing is the core, and when they take it out, it's you're coring the pineapple. Yeah. 
Oh, the, so I had the I, I bought one of those big pineapple cores, and they had it in like the little plastic container, and I didn't. Yeah. Ha- and I had it in the car, and I just fucking with my goddamn bare hands just fucking devoured it in the car. <laughs> 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 I've been there. I used to have to cut those fresh for people, and they, you always like there's still meat on the fucking husk. Yeah, you know, and oh man, I would just go to town on that God. shit because we're just throwing it away anyway. Yeah, so good, and I could smell it, so I had to fucking eat it. Pineapple is just so wonderful. It just tastes so good. I love pineapple. Oh yeah, pineapple is one of the best fruits. One of the best fruits in the world. Ah, oh, it's so good. Mm. What do we got? No new contest this week. Um, guys, uh, she sent me the medieval codes, and only one of them worked when I clicked on the link. So I've sent her an email to get me the other medieval codes. And so as soon as I get those next week, hopefully I'll be able to get those out to everybody. But now we're going to go over the winners for Jerry and Marge. Go large. Physical copies, and these are going to be on Blu-ray. Just so you know, make sure that when you send me your addresses, you're sending me the correct addresses. I I do not ship these myself, guys. I send these off to my Paramount contact, and I give them the address that you gave me, and they ship them. So um, uh, we had a listener say he didn't get his, and I follow up with them, and hopefully they'll be able to ship it back out to you. I do my best, but I, I don't have the copies here, guys. But uh, let's go over the five winners for... Jerry and Marge. First winner is going to be Alfredo Tostado. Alfredo Tostado. I want an to- Alfredo Tostado candle. <laughs> <laughs> Make my house smell like a Tostado. <laughs> Tostados. Aren't those chips? Uh, tostado is... I feel like it's like the flat tortilla, like the crispy tortilla, and then they put a bunch of bullshit on it. That's what they at least that's what fucking I think Taco Bell has is like the tostado. Are the chips Tostitos? No, they're not Tostitos. <laughs> okay. What are the chips called? There's like some kind of there's some kind of chip that starts with the T that's like Yeah, Tostitos. Oh, okay, okay. That doesn't necessarily make a Tostito a tostada. I gotcha. <laughs> and that doesn't make a tortilla all tortillas aren't Tostitos. And all tortillas aren't tostadas. <laughs> Not all tort. <laughs> lot of morals this episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> Next winner is Rob Forrest. Rob Forrest. Number three, Joe Stark. Number four, Brandon Olson. And number five, Ryan Bradshaw. So those are your five winners for Jerry and Marge Go Large. Physical copies on Blu-ray are going to be sending those out to you. So thank you for entering. Anyway, oh, um, if people were curious, I wanted to let people know, you know, I talked about my cat losing a bunch of weight, uh, you know, uh, a couple months ago. Uh, he, He is doing much better now. Uh, it was his pancreas. He had inflammation of the pancreas. And so I've got him on a special diet. What is that food? It's, yeah, uh, Hill's Prescription ZD Diet for food sensitivities. And so I am feeding all the cats this because it is nearly impossible to give 
cats different foods and serve them different foods. They're just going to get in each other's food. So they're all eating this special food. But he, he has gained weight back. He's doing great. And he looks fantastic. And right now he's on ta- top of the cat tower. And he is sleeping. But he's doing great. So I just wanted to give everybody an update on he he we're gonna get to the main content we're gonna get to the good cop good pop bad pop we're gonna get to the fucking news and all that bullshit people but this is what we do at the beginning keeping it loose this week anyway this is news this is good news I'm yeah sure people wanted to know mm-hmm. oh it's great news yeah no he's doing really good he's doing really good. tinsel what the fuck was the main creation of tinsel was it just for decorations or like did that come later? Was like there was was tinsel created as something else and they're like, holy shit, we can decorate our fucking house with this? Or they were just like Oh like or did they or did it serve a different purpose at first? <laughs> what exactly is tinsel? Is it like the sparkly shit? Yeah, it's that strandy sparkly shit that they that people you know strew strew string up strung about the tree i don't know what the word i'm looking for but they put it you covered it somehow yeah it's there it's like on the tree and it's the sparkly strandy shit like was you know did did people is that why it was created just to be tinsel and to be a decoration or did it serve a different purpose at first and they were like oh shit we can put this on our tree no it was always created to be a decoration Wow. It's meant to mimic the effect of ice. Hmm. And it was originally made of shredded silver. Yeah. They used actual silver? They did. Jesus. Whoa. Hmm. Hmm. Shredded silver. Shredded silver. Hi-ho, shredded silver. (laughs) And it comes from the old French word, a, a tinsel, meaning sparkle. Okay. Wow. I, I, thought, I thought my really terrible Lone Ranger joke was going to get more of a reaction there. I was hoping that you, I was hoping you would tear it up. Like, wow, I would be – Brian, I can't believe you said that. I would be embarrassed if that came out of my mouth. I'm long done pretending I care about the Lone Ranger. Oh, that's true. That's true. Why are you referencing? Why are you referencing? Either you're referencing something that only people, either you're referencing something people have that only know that have only been listened that have listened for like the past eight nine years, or you're referencing shit we haven't even got to in the episode, Jake. <laughs> I'm trying to dial it in. <laughs> Did you get anything over Black Friday? Uh, I bought a PlayStation controller. They're normally seventy four ninety nine, and they were on sale everywhere for thirty five bucks. So I wanted the second controller. I was not happy about paying nearly eighty bucks for it when tax came. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I saw those ads going. I I looked. I I went to quite a few places and looked at stuff, but that was the only thing I ever I, I needed to buy. I was like, I have to buy this at this price because. A lot of that Black Friday stuff is really scammy, but Sony's going to have those things back seventy four ninety nine next week. Oh yeah! So this yeah. was the real deal, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm broke, but I must spend this thirty five bucks." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I just, I just, I, you know, I'm financing my fucking washer and dryer so I can pay it off in 24. I can pay it off now, but I'm just like, I'll finance the fucker. I'll pay it off early anyway. I need it. I was it. kind of reminiscing about Black Friday, though. Like, it's, it's just changed so much. Oh, like, yeah. It's gone through so many different evolutions, like, in my entire life. Like, I, uh, it seems like we're at the end of the uh, open on Thanksgiving evolution. Like, I feel like that's over now. Good. And, I, I think uh, that's, I think that was bullshit. Yeah, I loved it as like an escape hatch from my family because they knew yeah. I was like a shop freak, and I'd be like, "Oh, it's five o'clock, gotta go to Best Buy." <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I did feel bad for all the people that had to work, though. It kind of like, oh yeah, 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 fucking sucked sucks. for them. So, but God, I remember it used to be such a, a media like scavenge, like oh, DVDs no. and Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. There's just fucking piles of them everywhere. These ones are three bucks. These ones are five bucks. These ones are ten bucks, and. I was the guy camping out. Scavenging through all the DVDs. I was the guy camping out. Like, I think it was two years straight. I camped out at fucking Best Buy to get shit. And, of course, I was, like, in the newspaper. That's awesome. Got to get them doorbusters because they only have, like, they put that shit in the front and they have, like, five of them. Yeah, they don't tell you how many they have. But they only have, yeah, very limited quantities of, like, the doorbuster, you know. So I was there for, like, the 48-inch TV for, like, you know, 200 bucks or whatever it was. And yeah. So. God, back when you got a 48 eight inch TV and it was like the biggest motherfucking TV you ever had. Oh, I know. I know. Jesus Christ. Now it's like, you know, it's nothing to have an 85 inch now. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to your buddy's house and he's got a fucking 55, you're like, Oh geez, look at this tiny TV. Yeah, <laughs> I know I've got a 70 and I'm fine with it. I'm fine with my 70. I'd like to have an 86, but I'll deal with a 70 inch. It's fine. I'm more. Yeah, into- it is fine. <clears throat> I've noticed when it gets too big. It, if you're playing video games, I have a hard time getting immersed in the video game once the TV reaches a certain size. Yeah. I was. I was seriously thinking they had. There was uh, that. Uh, now we're just talking about shit. When I even <laughs> it's good. I like it. Um, I was so close to pulling the trigger on an actual pinball machine today, Jake. You have no idea. No. Yeah. Yeah. There was an auction. It was that museum that's in uh, that's in normal that pinball museum. They had an auction, and they actually were offering one of their pinball machines, and, and it's in great working condition. And it went for like eleven hundred. And I, th- and it's a it's a pretty nice pinball machine, but I was just like, what the fuck? I know I'd love to have it, but like, what the fuck? Where the fuck am I gonna put a fucking pinball machine? Why the f- you know you you come into my fucking house and I look like it looks like fucking Tom Hanks' apartment from Big. Fuck that! <laughs> I'm not you know I, I love fucking pinball machines. If I had like just like a man cave where I could fucking fit that fucker. Maybe I'd do it, but fuck. It's like, daddy needs a washer and dryer. I don't, you know, daddy doesn't have to play pinball, you know? I feel like once you buy a pinball machine, it's kind of like getting a tattoo as well. Like, you'd be like, hmm, maybe you get another one right next to it. Now, now I've got an arcade one-up machine, and, you know, they're, what, right now, the Terminator 2 arcade one-up is like, insanely price they got it down to 300 bucks yeah i've been eyeballing that simpsons one for the same reason yeah no i'm not gonna do it i don't need a bunch i don't i don't need i don't need my fucking house to look like an aladdin's castle 
<laughs> I don't need it to look like fucking Chuck E. Cheese in here. All right? I don't need... <laughs> <laughs> Fry's gonna get the fucking DDR machine in his living room. <laughs> I've already got a Chicago Bulls vending machine. I mean, I don't need any more female repellent in my home. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I got a washer and dryer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. I bet all the ladies come flocking to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing girls like more than washing and drying. I right? know. They're like, yeah, what? <laughs> oh, brother. Anyway. Yeah, it's right. I feel like we're just Paul's audience this episode. Right? I know. Paul's <laughs> just sitting back and listening to us. I, I feel I like. I get to talk to adults. I love it. <laughs> I feel like Paul's the only one that's fucking sticking around for this one, Jake. <laughs> like, just... and I'm happy to. <laughs> It would have been kind of cool to have a pinball machine, though, right, Jake? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know. Just taking up space. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't want to be the guy where you walk into my bedroom and I got a pinball machine. <laughs> yeah, like if I was like shitting money and that. had a house with multiple rooms and stuff, it'd be one thing if you yeah. could, like, squirrel it away in yeah. like, the, the man cave room or whatever. Right. It's better than a Barbie dream house when you walk into the house right away. That's that's what <laughs> <Yeah>. I got. <laughs> How big is a Barbie dream house? Is it like oh this tall? Oh, my God, dude. This thing is almost as tall as me. We found it on Facebook Marketplace. And we were able to talk to a lady down to like 20 bucks. We had to like break that thing into three pieces to get it in here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking awesome, man. And we like put the LED lights in it. It's really cool. But it doesn't get played with, though. Imagine if I was one of those guys, though, that, like, you know, I had, like, one of those fucking, like, fuck dolls in the house, Jake. <laughs> like, no, like at, the sa- like, like, at the same time, I'm saying, I don't think I can get, I don't think that I can get, you know, a pinball machine. That's ridiculous. But then I got some fuck doll in the corner. Like, lifelike fuck doll that State I spent, like. Art. Yeah, like, I fucking dropped, like, 12 grand on this fuck doll, Jake. <laughs> Man, what was the show? I watched it in the last couple of years where the the woman's father has like a relationship with the fuck doll and everyone has to respect the fuck doll and it goes <laughs> everywhere with them. It was probably like my strange addiction. It was like a drama. There was a Ryan Gosling movie like that called like Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, I remember. I know what you're talking about, Jake. I can't remember what it was called either. Did you ever see My Strange Addiction? You ever watched that no. one? Uh, the first, I think, the first episode was the, the the husband and wife that were addicted to coffee enemas. They were addicted to fucking pouring coffee into their buttholes because it gave them like a caffeine charge straight to the anus. It hits a little that's harder. So, that's so fucked up. It's fucking. And then there was this other woman who had a who who, was, who had a relationship with a roller coaster. The roller coaster turned her on. She like she said, and I, she was talking about having sex with the roller coaster and all this shit, man. She loved oh this roller coaster. She was just like, "That's what got her off was a roller coaster." That sounds dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think she's like riding the. Well, she probably is riding it in her own special way, but <laughs> not, not in the traditional sense. This episode's <laughs> terrible, Jake. Yes. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm enjoying myself, but I, 
I agree that it's probably being perceived as terrible. If you had to fuck a roller coaster, which one would you fuck, Jake? What roller? I would. I don't know. Mine. I, I don't know. I would number fuck one. that gilf, the American Eagle. I would fuck the Screaming Eagle because it's it's right yeah, there yeah. in the name. It's right there in the name. It's gonna. It's you know. It's gonna satisfy. It's an old one, though. It, it's an old one. Yeah. It would definitely be robbing the cradle having sex with one of us. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> this is how bad this episode is, Jay. No. <laughs> Top five roller coasters that you'd like to fuck. Iron Wolf, baby. Oh, oh no way. Oh, I don't want to stand up the whole time. <laughs> yeah, well, mix it up. Anyway. The whole time, though. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. You're you're lazy. <laughs> it has nothing to do with laziness. It's, it's a, the whole time. I mean, come on, have some stamina. Have some stamina, Jake. <laughs> Jesus Christ, get some. Stand up. Get, you know, work work work, work those core muscles. You know, come on. I'm not, say, I'm not saying not at all. <laughs> You act like how okay. time. How long? No, how long does a roller coaster last? How long does a ride last? Not that Iron long. Wolf was like two minutes. Yeah, not even. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan. Have you rid? Have you rode the Iron Wolf? I think they got rid of it, didn't they? Yeah, they don't have it anymore. I feel like I have though. I feel like I it rode sucked. the Iron Wolf. Oh, I enjoyed it. Oh, really? It cracked me up because it was the ride where everyone's change fell out of their pockets. Like, you could just sit and watch it happen every time. Hmm. That was its claim to fame. Were we talking about the girl that fucking, she went back to get her cell phone and she got killed by one of them? Oh, no, I was, I brought that up because, um, Jezelnik got in trouble on his podcast for making jokes about that lady. That happened in person that we were talking about that girl. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are you guys ready to jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop? Yeah. Not, not, not really. But. <laughs> Me either, man. I, I kind of just want this to be a Brian, Jake, and Paul fuck around, you know? Like, we never actually get to the content, you know? Yeah, just the all-banter episode. The all-banter episode where we just bullshit. <laughs> and no, nothing that we've said has been mildly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to power rank what the most interesting thing we've talked about is. Probably you buying a washer and dryer. Yeah, exactly. The close second being contemplating a pinball machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like adulting, and then me fucking being a juvenile buying a fucking pinball machine. Yeah. What was the theme of the pinball machine? Like it was, it? it was called Raven, and it was uh, like the it was like it wasn't even a movie, but it was like the female Rambo. They just had like a woman <laughs> holding like a like an M sixteen, and uh, yeah, she was like holding an M sixteen on it. And uh, I mean, the the design was great. You would fucking the ball uh, would go around, and uh, you'd knock down snipers and shit. And oh, uh, man. it looked like it was a blast, man. It was from 1986. It looked like it was a lot of fun. It was in great working condition. And I was like, holy shit, this is a nice pinball machine. This is a nice one. He's letting go of a nice one. Yeah, but I, I didn't do it. I was, I was not going to up that bid to $1,150. Uh, I, I can't justify spending $1,100 on a pinball machine, Jake. 
And that's just wow. your bid, dude. Imagine what the other guy could have made it. The other person could have gone way higher. Yeah, I looked up like the value of the pinball machine. They range anywhere from like twelve hundred to fourteen hundred for this particular pinball machine. So I was like, you know, whoever's getting it is getting a, a little bit of a deal here. I'll just let them have their deal. I don't need a goddamn pinball machine. I don't want to turn into a fucking bidding war over this Raven pinball machine. If it was a Ram, yeah, if it was a Rambo, smart. if it was Rambo, we then I might have been like, I I want to take this home. It's fucking Rambo. Right? Yeah, did they make a Rambo pinball machine? They I, had to have. They, they had, had to have. Oh, I was reading up on the Raven pinball machine, and they have one of those fucking, like, uh, like um, helicopters um, in, in the background of the, of the shot. So she's holding an M16, right? And behind her, there's, like, this, you know, like a, like a tomahawk chopper, right? Okay. And I found out that the guy that was flying that tomahawk chopper was like a stunt chopper guy and a week later crashed in that same fucking helicopter and died. Oh, my God. And this is the guy that's on the, the Raven machine? It's the helicopter. the helicopter. So the guy in the helicopter on the fucking Raven machine died. A week later, after they took that photo. That's crazy. Jesus. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. What, that that would have been a fun conversation piece. Now, now I'm starting to think you should have bought it. Fuck. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I could, just, I, could just, I could be like, I could bring people over and they could be like, what is that? What's Raven? And they first off, they'd be like, that's so Raven. And I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Get out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> please. Leave. I stifled that joke. I, you'd be proud. Yeah, no, but then I then I could talk about that. That'd be like the little talking point, right, Jake? Oh yeah, all the panties are dropping when you're hearing about fucking dead. Oh yeah, helicopters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy in that copter died. Like, she's, in the bedroom. <laughs> she's like, she's like, do me like Jodie Foster on this pinball machine, like in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> And that's when you tell her the story. <laughs> All right, let's jump into uh, well, Paul. What? Let's let's jump into let's jump into that good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Finished Andor this week. Holy fuck. Absolute Tupperware. Love this show. Cannot wait for season two. Jake, get back on it. What the fuck? Yeah, I need to have myself an Andor binge. I I just kind of want you. It's easy once you get behind an episode to just be like, ah, I'll just watch it when it's all over. But now it's all over and I haven't watched it. So I, I need to get on that. Get on it. Jesus. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Incredible first season. This is the best Star Wars I've seen. Uh, fuck. In a long time. In a very long time. I, I like this more than 
it's it's in my opinion it's better than the Mandalorian. Um I like it better than The Force Awakens. Um I like it better than um The Last Jedi. I I I think Andor is is a fucking masterpiece so far. It is absolutely incredible. Uh finished uh season 11 and the series finale of The Walking Dead. And um oh. yeah. It is over. So um, now they're branching off into three different shows. They're going to have the uh, – I forget what it, the Maggie and Negan show is called, but I'm looking forward to that one. Rick and Michonne, and then there's a Daryl Dixon series. So I'll probably be watching them to see what's going on. So they kind of set up all three of the different series at the end of this one, and uh, really looking forward to it. I did enjoy the finale overall. Um and so, I was mildly curious, so I like just went online and read what happened. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people did that as well. Same. Uh, let's talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Um, this is a television special written and directed by James Gunn, and um, we've got the the Guardians now have purchased nowhere from the Collector and uh, begin to rebuild it. Uh, following the attack on it and Cosmo is now a member and um, with Christmas approaching we've got uh, Drax and uh, Mantis wanting to find the perfect present for Peter Quill and uh, they're going to kidnap Kevin Bacon and uh, shenanigans so let's talk about this one Um, I'll start with you Jake what did you think about the uh, holiday special yeah, I liked it a lot. It, it was a Tupperware for me. Um, it was nice to see the Guardians again. Like, I kind of had forgotten how long it, it had been since I'd seen James Gunn written Guardians of the Galaxy until watching this. Um, I enjoyed Mantis getting so much screen time. I mean, she's only introduced in the second movie. And really, this is the the most continuous screen time we, we've seen that character get. And I, I found that quite pleasing. I thought... Uh, Kevin Bacon's performance was really uh, inspired and spirited. I thought he was great. Um, Yeah, I just like the overall vibes and feel of this. I mean, probably not too shocking that James Gunn also knows how to curate a really good uh, Christmas song playlist. I mean, you kind of saw that coming. Um, Yeah, and I guess the only other note I have is I was a little bit creeped out by Swole Groot. Oh, yeah, that was weird looking. Yeah. Yeah, Paul. Well, yeah, and I thought it was it was an it didn't have a ton to do with like the current MCU stuff, but it definitely wasn't void of that. Like I think even more so than Werewolf by Night, this definitely had some implications to MCU lore that that really matters, especially going into Guardians Three. Yeah, um, I think James Gunn was asked like you know the the lack of a Nova presence in this one and. And he said, you know, that's that's too big. That's too big of a thing to put in a holiday special. He just wanted to keep this one light and fluffy, right? So, Yeah, I read that this was the very first MCU project, movie or TV show, that doesn't have a villain. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say Mantis and Drax were kind of a <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. villains here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all it's all perspective, I guess. Yeah. Hey, Paul, what did you think? Oh, I'm at I'm at, 
I'm at a Tupperware. I I loved the the things that stood out for me were the animated parts. Uh, those really hit the heartstrings. Uh, I love that uh, Sean Gunn's Craglin is getting such much more focus. And man, I am just falling in love with Dave Batista and everything he's doing lately. I feel like if there was an award for like most improved actor, it would go to this guy. Um, I think he has been bringing it so much. And I just, you know, I was a big fan of Love and Thunder, but this showed like how you can mix the comedy with like the heartfelt stuff. Like it was just good to see James Gunn and the and the Guardians back together. Loved it. Well, I mean, this calls for the comedy. It's It's a holiday special. Uh, that's the whole purpose of this. He's trying to, uh, he's trying to uh, get, uh, you know, trying to bring in the holiday spirit and uh, have a little bit of the spirit of like those old holiday specials that we grew up on when we were kids. I think that was my, that was my biggest problem with this. Is like, I would have loved this if I was like five or six, um, and. If if I loved like all holiday kind of like movies and stuff like that, I would have loved it. I, I think there's one thing that kind of like saved it for me was like the big reveal um, that we get, you know, um, when it's finally addressed at the end. I mean, we 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 hear about it earlier on in the in the special, but when it's finally addressed at the end, it's a heartwarming moment, and I thought it was beautiful, but. For me, it's just this is not like this is not something. These are not the things that I watch over Christmas typically anymore. Um, so it, it's nothing against James Gunn. I think like as far as like a holiday special, he did a fantastic job, and I I think I think a lot of families and kids are gonna love this, and it you know they'll watch this. But it just wasn't like my favorite thing. I'll, I'm gonna give it a taste. It though, I did I did like it. It's just nothing that I would ever return to. Um, it's funny you say that, Brian, because Emmett made us watch this like seven times. Yeah. This was his, you know, he's a seven-year-old kid. This yeah. was his jam, man. He he loved all of this, and I just enjoyed watching him watch this. Like, Absolutely. He just, he just had a blast with this. Yeah. No, and, and like this is the kind of stuff that I would watch when I was a kid. It's the stuff that, you know, over Christmas that I would love, and – you know, I, I just when I, I don't have kids of my own, I don't really I don't do anything on Christmas. And so but when I was a kid, it was like it, I wanted to get into that Christmas mood, get ready for that day where we open up the gifts and everything. And so, like, I was watching, you know, like all those stop animation Christmas, you know, specials, with you know, Rudolph. And I was watching the animated Frosty. And I was, you know, I was I was watching all like the sitcoms that would do like their you know, Christmas episodes and things like that. It's just, uh, and I, I guess I'm the Grinch of this episode because I oh. thought, I thought, it, no, I think like he succeeded giving us like a fun holiday special, but that again, it's just, it's just not my jam. So, um, but I enjoyed it enough, but uh, let's talk about uh, welcome to Chippendales on Hulu. This is a true crime miniseries. Uh, focusing on Steve Steve Banerjee, the Indian immigrant and founder of the Chippendales Mail Review, 
who became consumed by his own quest for power and fame. Uh, it's a biographical drama miniseries created by Robert Siegel, inspired by the book Deadly Dance, The Chippendales Murders by K. Scott McDonald and Patrick Montez. Uh, it stars Kumail Nanjiani as uh, Steve Banerjee, uh, the founder of Chippendales. And so they dropped two episodes on Hulu. I've watched both episodes. And um, I wanted to get your thoughts, though. Paul, what did you think about... Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about the show and then what you thought about it. Yeah, so my big experience with Chippendales is a Chris Farley, Patrick Swayze skit from SNL that is pretty much my only knowledge uh so going into this I was very fascinated and it shows the rise of um you know uh Salman Banerjee uh Kamal's character as like a gas station clerk and how he just he wants that American dream and he saved every nickel and dime and you know, he wants to like, what is the game? Like, I think it's a backgammon club. He wants to. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't go well. And he, you know, like, I think, uh, you know, his, his huge influence in life as to like the type of person, businessman he wants to be is Hugh Hefner. And one of these nights, uh, I didn't even realize it until the end of the first episode when it said Dan Stevens, I'm like, holy shit, that's who that guy was. Uh, Dan Stevens character and his girlfriend who is a playboy playmate are in the club and that's who he partners up with. He really kind of like he's able to read the audience and like what they want. And, you know, he, he goes from like a mud wrestling club to a strip club to like a full blown, like I think it started off as once in like once a week thing with like the, with, you know, with the guys doing it and, you know, they're just out there doing their stuff. But then, you know, he hires. Uh, I was so excited to see Murray Bartlett from the White Lotus. Oh, uh, yeah, he's this. great. Man, he's so he's so fucking good. You know, but it's kind of like, you know, this guy is really kind of like we see him starting to lose himself or like kind of his moral compass in attaining like this mortality that Hugh Hefner has. And for me, this was like I watched both episodes, too. And, you know, the first episode, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. And then it just ends on I was like, wait, did this actually happen? Like I had to look it up in the the true story. at The end of the first episode is so much darker than what they show. But uh, this is an absolute Tupperware. I thought all the performances were good. I thought this was a cool story of, you know, the rise of this empire that, you know, it, it like it took pop culture by storm. Um, but, yeah, it was so it was so good. I think it was so well acted. I can't wait to watch this. I think it comes out on Wednesdays, every Wednesday. Um, this is a great vehicle for uh, him to be in as like the lead uh, character. This was this was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, are you giving it a Tupperware? Yes, yes. I'm, I, I, I thought I said that, but yes, you might it's a have. Tupperware. I, I, yeah, I, I doze off sometimes when you talk. Hey, uh, I doze off when you. It. I doze off when you talk too. I know. <laughs> it's documented. You, you've literally fallen yeah, asleep on an episode. <laughs> no, I, I was kidding about that, but um. No, I. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's wild, man. I, I mean, I, I knew about like Chippendales. 
male dance review. I just I didn't know like this like there was like this story behind it. I didn't know that there were murders behind it as well with like a couple of the people that were kind of like you know had a helping hand in founding the company. I I I honestly feel like for that first episode, you know, with the murders and everything, like that in itself could be like its own series. Yes, because uh, there's so much more than what they give us in this. Like oh, yeah. it is insane. Uh, I, Juliet Lewis, it's nice to see her uh, in this as well. I thought she was fantastic in uh, Yellow Jackets, and then um, you know her also showing up in this series, and now she's you know playing a a role here where she is like the fashion designer for them. She's the one who invented, I, I guess she invented tearaway pants. And so uh, we get to see a little bit of that. I think Kumail Nanjiani is killing it in this role. Did you, Jake, did you read that Bob Odenkirk hates that Chris Farley Chippendale sketch? Yes, I did. Yeah. He, yeah, he hated it. I thought I I, a lot of people did. Chris Farley had a lot of opposition. It sounds like on SNL, yeah, just for the type of humor he was doing. Yeah, I just think you know, comedy's comedy. So, I, and you think that like other comics would get that? Like, there, you shouldn't be able to put like a restriction on comedy. Like, maybe you don't find it funny, but you got to you know respect you know respect that they're trying to do something. I don't know. Yeah, I thought there was a lot going on in that performance. Like, it, it's definitely shock value comedy but it's more than that or it would get old really fast i mean yeah well he's such a funny physical comic right he was one of the best yeah yeah yeah. his facial expressions are are just priceless in that sketch yeah no i i am i'm hooked on this show i think it's fascinating i had no idea that this uh (laughs) that this chippendales had like this wild story behind it so I was I was kind of blown away here by this first episode. I think the performances are fantastic. I thought Dan Stevens was great, unrecognizable Paul, like you said, oh, with dude with the mustache, unrecognizable. He's a he's a bit of a, a modern day chameleon, I think, though. Oh yeah, yeah. That's kind of how he always is when he pops up. Yeah. I mean, Brian, you're gonna hate me. I fell in love with this guy in fucking Downton Abbey, man. Oh, like, I've been this since day one, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind if people watch Downton Abbey. It's fine. I've never watched it, so I can't comment. So I should just shut up about Downton Abbey. Um, Jake, what did you think about Welcome to Chippendales? Uh, it was just a taste it for me. But listening to Paul, man, I only watched the first episode. Maybe I should give the second episode a chance. But um, I mean, it was interesting enough. And, and no, I didn't really know any of this history. Um, I'm not quite sure how much of it is true and how much of it is just you know, made up to make it a bit more, more glamorous, but I don't know. I normally usually love Kumail, but I, I found him really drab and boring in this first episode. And, um, like Dan Stevens had all the charisma and I, I'm not so sure he's going to be in any more episodes. So, uh, I was, I wasn't very motivated to watch the next episode. I, I don't know. Like, is, was that real? Like, is Destiny 2 an actual thing that happened and this Batgaming club and him running yes. into these people? Oh, okay, so you've done some research? I have. I have, yeah. I, I got so enthralled in this where with the, the end of that first episode, I'm like, this can't be real. I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much more to this. Like, I was actually at first a little mad that they didn't cover some of the, like, little details with, 
what happened at the end of that episode. Yeah, I don't um, think I had the right attitude adjustment to watch this show. I, I, I guess I expected – I didn't really know anything about it other than its name, its premise, and its cast. And, and I guess I kind of expected it to be a bit more snappy and witty and funny. But it definitely is much more of a true crime drama show. Yeah. yeah. Just, so I, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe just, I should watch the second episode now that I, I know the vibes. But – yeah, I, I I mean the second episode they 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 do quite a bit more. He starts to and you talk about like you know Dan Stevens is the only one with charisma. I think like in the first episode you're dealing with a guy who started off very confident. Like I have this business venture, it's going to succeed. I've done all this studying. There's no way I can fail. And then he's finding out that no, I you know I need help here, and he's desperate, even to the point where he brings in Dan Stevens' character to kind of be like this uh, promoter, this uh, club promoter, and that's not working out. But then he starts to find you know he finds a, a woman who's very good. Uh, she's an accountant, and they're striking up a relationship. And I think I think we're going to see this guy's confidence building now that it's starting to succeed. I, I'm I'm. I don't know. The, the, I'm 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 very interested on like on the business side of it, like yes. how how he's how he you know he's putting the right people in the right places. Uh, the dancers are interesting because you've got one guy who's very popular, and the women are groping him, and he's a married man, and he wants this to stop. He's like, "Do we have to have them making out with me and grabbing my dick?" And he's like, "If you want to work here and make money, you do." Um, that's what like the. Like the dance choreographer tells him. Um, and uh, so, I, I, you know, there's a lot of different things that I – a lot of different working and moving pieces uh, that are happening in this show that I'm really interested in to see how this – and, you know, just, just uh, the conversation that Juliet uh, Lewis has, her character of Denise, she, she says, that, like, I love this place. Like, finally, it's a place that women can go to and treat men like sex objects. And, and and we're not the ones that are basically being, you know, um, objectified, objectified all the time. She's like, finally, we get to we get to feel like <laughs> so maybe it's not the best, you know, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's not the best thing. But uh, the way she put it, it was it was interesting. And so I was just like. You know, you can kind of see it was really interesting that like Dan Stevens character didn't even believe that women would want to objectify men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, he could have, you know, and he could objectify women all he wanted. But as soon as his wife, you know, did it, it was a whole different story. And Brian, the second episode, I really loved. I think we may be talking about the same guy, but, the um, you know, the black dancer. Yeah. Like that was such a compelling fucking story. I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm digging it. Um, I'm at a Tupperware on this one, so I'll be I'll be tuning in every Wednesday and watching this one. I think it's really good. Uh, say hey, Willie Mays. Uh, this is on HBO Max. It's a documentary about baseball player Willie Mays. Uh, and uh, let's see here. It is Say Hey Willie Mays follows Mays' life both on and off the field over five decades as he navigated the American sports landscape and the country's ever-evolving cultural backdrop, all while helping to define what it means to be one of America's first black sports superstars. He left an incredible mark in New York City and San Francisco, building a love affair with both cities' fans. I'm going to be completely transparent here. 
I think this guy led an amazing career, led an amazing life. Uh, I just think that the directors and the way that they dole out the information in this documentary is so fucking boring. Mm-hmm. I couldn't watch it. I like I watched like the I watched half of it, and I was just like, "This is like, this is the most." They're making like this guy's life the most boring history lesson I've ever seen. It's not like the basketball documentaries that we watch, it, it, where like they include all the drama and like the interviews are very compelling. And this just felt like this just felt like going to a fucking like a boring, like like a boring exhibit, and just like going to a baseball game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Going to live baseball games is pretty fucking fun. I think I I don't like it. I'm with you, Paul. Uh, yeah, I much rather played it when I was a kid. I loved playing baseball. I just couldn't watch baseball games. I I this 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 bored me to death. I couldn't get through it. Uh, so. Yeah, based on that, I got to give it a toss it for the direction and how boring I felt it was. And they're talking about important stuff, too. I mean, they're talking about, you know, um, like the first, you know, the first black man entering, you know, Major League Baseball. And like, I would much rather just watch like the Jackie Robinson biopic that Chadwick Boseman was in. God, you're like reading my notes right now. <laughs> it's dude, I'm sorry. It's just the way that they fucking gave the information was so boring in this. I was bored to tears. And like just give me a Willie Willie Mays biopic. Cast an actor as Willie Mays and give me a Willie Mays biopic. That's what I want. This was just torturous to watch for me, sadly. So um yeah. Uh Paul, yeah, what'd you think? Yeah, I did finish this whole thing, and, like, I'm not, like, I think if you're a huge baseball fan of, like, you know, the records and stuff, like, this would probably be up your alley, but I I, I do not like baseball, and I, I don't know, like, I feel the same way, like, this was super boring, um... I thought the most interesting part of it was when he tried to buy a house in San Francisco, like, I thought that was really interesting, but it also kind of went nowhere where he was just like, I think one of the biggest disservices was featuring the whole part where Jackie Robinson straight up was like, dude, like you're complicit with all of this because you're not doing anything like, yeah, you're in Bewitch, but you're also not saying anything like we're actually out here trying to do something like I think it's cool if you're a baseball fan because they got some cool facts like that whole scene of like the six and a half most important seconds of baseball and how that day how they broke it down by each second. That was fun. But I just I'm not a baseball guy like I, I wanted to see more of his actual I wanted to see more of him as a person and not a baseball player. And I feel like all they gave us was the baseball player. But because of that, I'm at a I'm just at a middle of range taste it. Uh, yeah, Jake, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a middle of the range taste it as well. Um, I ended up I got about 30 minutes into this, 
And I agree with a lot of the stuff you're saying, Brian. I guess Paul's kind of echoing it too. This is actually the one thing this week that after 30 minutes, I hit the play speed button and watched at one and a half speed for the rest of it after the first 30 minutes. And um, honestly, I think that improved my rating, like having this go by faster because it's a very slow moving, like there's no fast action in this. It's mostly all just conversation. And having it not be so droning made it a lot more interesting. And I thought the most interesting stuff was a lot of – I didn't know about the relationship between Willie Mays and Barry Bonds and how close they were to the point where you know Bonds considers Mays like a father figure. And I had no idea about any of that history. I thought that was pretty fascinating. Um, just seeing the parallels between him and Jackie Robinson and how he got started and drafted into the, the major leagues – it was a lot of interesting facts, but not a very glitzy or glamorous presentation whatsoever. So it's very unfortunate. Um, I agree. I don't remember if it was Brian or Paul that said they should have just made this an, an actual movie, like a scripted drama. I, I think that that material's there. That you could make a really good Willie Mays movie. But um, yeah, this, you could you could skip this unless you're already invested in baseball history or a big Willie Mays fan to begin with. And this is probably worth skipping. Yeah. Yeah, this didn't do or, it Or watch me. it at one and a half speed. There you go. It made it quite enjoyable. I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to watch it on your phone. Okay. I was like, man, you're going to, you, you got to plow through this. And I was like, no, I can't do it. And I stopped. Yeah, let's say, hey, Willie Mays on HBO. There's something Max. this week that I actually did not finish as well. Interesting. Oh. Hmm. Oh. It's so bad that I couldn't go on. Oh, I, pro- shit. I hope I loved it. You might have. I hope I, I did. Like I did. I hope I loved it. Um, it was so bad. I'll be shocked if you guys loved it. Devotion. This is out now in theaters. Uh, this It's the inspirational true story of Jesse Brown, the first black aviator in U.S. Navy history, and his enduring friendship with fellow fighter pilot Tom Hudner helping to turn the tide in the most brutal battle in the Korean War, their heroic sacrifices ultimately make them the Navy's most celebrated wingmen. And uh, it's a biographical war film based on the 2015 book Devotion, an epic story of heroism, friendship, and sacrifice by Adam Makos. And um, it's directed by J.D. Dillard and written by Jake Crane and Jonathan Stewart. And it stars uh, Jonathan Majors as Brown and Glenn Powell as Hudner. With Christina Jackson, Joe Jonas, Nick Hargrove, Spencer Neville, Tom Sadowski, and Darren Kagasoff in supporting roles. Uh, Jake, you didn't get a chance to see this one, did you? No, I did not. Paul, uh, what did you think about uh, Devotion? Man, so today was like a one-two punch for me. I saw, I did a double feature in the theaters. I saw Knives Out 2 which is like a movie that like it's a franchise I hold dear to my heart because of my grandma. And in helping plan her funeral this summer, I found out that my grandfather was a pilot in the Korean war. And, uh, this is a huge part of that. So it's like, I didn't know much. I didn't know anything about devotion until it came up on the list. And I just ran into theater and saw it. And, you know, we're coming off of top gun Maverick with Glenn Powell as, you know, pretty much this generation's Iceman, and it was 
hard to see him as anything but kind of like the anti-hero. And I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. I, I fucking, I love this movie. This is a, this is a Tupperware. At first I'm like, oh, this is kind of, you know, like it's like, I feel like it was kind of playing by the numbers. And then I don't want to give too much away, but like when we go to like cans, that's when I fell in love with this movie. When like we see the entire squad bonding together, they're hanging out with like, a celebrity during that time period. Um, I thought the chemistry between majors and Powell was just like electric. Um, This movie had me cheering, you know, it takes place in the fifties and we came off a top gun, which had some of the coolest dog fights that take place today. But I really thought they did a good job with like the aerial battles that would have happened in like, you know, 1950. And I just, I left this movie just like, wow, that was that was really cool. Like, uh, uh, I think Jonathan Majors blew it away every time he gets in front of a mirror and kind of talks to himself. You're in for like an acting masterclass. Like I this guy is like a bonafide movie star and I can't wait to see more of his journey. But I I absolutely this was the movie I did not really want to see because I'm like, I'm already seeing a movie, but I'm so glad I did. I I really enjoyed this so much. I thought this was a cool tale of, you know, like overcoming prejudice in the 50s when it was like prevalent. Uh, I just yeah, I absolute Tupperware love the shit out of this movie. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad I didn't see this one like on Christmas Day. Yeah, it leaves you. It leaves you sad. Like I, oh, dude, it punches you in the fucking gut, man. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, Jonathan Majors is so fucking good in this role. Like with, you know, like you're talking about the mirror scenes. He's basically um, saying shit like, you know, you're nothing. You're worthless. You're this. You're that. He's he's really talking down. He's basically quoting everything he's heard. As a black man that has tried to get to where he is in the Navy and be one of the top pilots. And when he talks about how he was going through like flight school and that he'd have to they'd make him swim and how they were weighing him down with stones and stuff like that. And still he wouldn't get out of the pool and still he would finish and, and, and he would overcome everything. I'm just like this, you know, you think about PTSD, these guys getting PTSD in the actual war. You don't think about men that are trying to serve their country. And just because they're uh, a different color going through PTSD just from the, the people that they're going through like flight school with. It's like, it's super fucked up. Um, but what I loved about this is it does have like that band of brothers kind of element where it's like, it doesn't matter like what the color of the skin of the man is as when he's fighting alongside you, when he's your wingman, like there's a band of brothers, there's a bond there, you know? And so it, that's beautiful. I loved it when they went. Yeah, when they were in France, man, that was oh man, fucking great. So good. Um, Elizabeth Taylor. There's a there's a scene with uh, a young El- Elizabeth Taylor in the in the movie, which is which is fantastic. Um, Dude, I want a movie 
of Elizabeth Taylor with that actress. Yeah. Because <laughs> she looks she just good. like her. She's man. very good. Um, and, and then, you know, I think like the, the dog fights and the air battles were, were, were filmed really well. Man, there's something about like those, those old planes that flying above, you know, just, just feet above the water and you get those shots and it just looks beautiful. Oh my God, dude. When he's going on that bridge, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is so cool. Yeah. I, I drove out of town to see this one. I wanted to see it on the best screen possible. It's not an IMAX, but I wanted to be. You know, at a theater that had really good audio and a really good screen, so I actually drove out of town to see this one. And I'm glad I did. It was a, you know, it's it was a Marcus Theater, and they they've got pristine screens and really good audio. I really enjoyed the fuck out of this movie, and it, I loved his interactions with his family. Oh. Um, you know, uh, there's a touching scene with uh, uh, the the wife, his wife, and uh, and Hudner, played by Glenn Powell, that is just. Oh, man, just just an incredible movie. I highly recommend this one. Um, you got to be in the right headspace. This is definitely not like a Christmas day. Take your family out to go see this one. No, 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 no. I think it's a good th- <laughs> like I think it was a good Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I fucking. Yeah. Like I yeah, I love the shit out of this, man. I'm so glad you. I looked this- up the woman who played um, Elizabeth Taylor while you guys were talking. She is Medusa from Marvel's The Inhumans. Oh wow! Oh shit! Yeah. Huh? <laughs> well, that's a nice glow up for her. Yeah, yeah. Can't win them all, can we? Um, oh, no. she was so good in she this. Was. Though. She, she was. She was great. Good. Yeah, I, th- th- this is this is this is an absolute Tupperware devotion. I highly recommend seeing this one. And yeah, I would recommend seeing this one on the biggest screen possible. And I cannot wait to see fucking Jonathan Majors in Creed Three. Oh I, my god, man! They had like a giant fucking poster when I left the theater of him as like you know the dude from Creed Three. I'm like, oh, I can't wait, man. I can't, dude. I'm more excited for Creed Three to see him in Creed Three than I am excited to see him as Kang. I agree. I have a question. Maybe we need to do this off air about the name of this movie. Um, I don't know if it's a big spoiler, but I know, especially like the schools I worked in, like a lot of people uh, pull out like a little black book and say, this is my devotion or scriptures. Was that little black book with all the things he heard in his life, his devotion, the reason why he does what he does? That makes sense. Yeah. I thought it was really cool at the end of the movie. You actually get to see his actual writing pop up on the screen. Oh, my God, man. I was like, okay, I need to leave this theater right now. (laughs) Like, I just... I can't cry today. (laughs) Like, fuck this. Yeah. What a fucking... What a fucking amazing American. Right? Oh, my God. Dude, Yes. Yes, and I think, man, Jonathan Majors, like, I don't know if this is a news story later, but when, you know, like, a, a a director says, like, the movie star is dead, no. Like, Jonathan Majors is a fucking movie star, man. This was, this is the movie that helped cement it for me. Like, he just, he had so much charisma and screen presence. This was an absolute treat to see him in this. Paul bringing the Tarantino shame. I'm sorry, and I love Tarantino <laughs> as a director, but like, yeah. I, I a, wanted to name him. <laughs> I, I thought, and like, like I don't know. When I got done with Top Gun Maverick, I'm like, I don't think I can ever really get behind Glenn Powell as like a good guy. 
And God damn it, dude, this movie like was like, no, Paul, you're wrong. Like this guy was fucking amazing as like, you know, just a stand up dude in this movie. Yeah, I uh, I liked, uh, you know, there's a lot of other um, black seamen on the like black naval men on the on the on the ship. And they were they they were chipping in to buy him something and they were always rooting for him. They were always watching him as he was training. Oh. And, they were all behind him and it was i kind of i I like seeing that kind of shit because it's like you know it's like dude you're not alone we're we're all behind you and like you're you're a pioneer and we want to see you succeed it's really fucking cool man i mean this movie really hit all the buttons great movie it it did and brian like i was like in a dream lounger in a marcus theater thing and i took that thing off recliner when all like you know the black uh you know, semen guys came on to like watch what was happening. I fucking like sat up and was like, okay, this is going to be pretty fucking cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Totally hit all the right feelings, man. It was, it was a great fucking movie. Fantastic fucking movie. Go see it while it's out now in theaters. Uh, let's see here. Let's take a break. And we will I'm come. It. Yeah, I know. I know. my cat is going crazy in this paper bag too so i'm like mute every other second trying to get him out of here yeah (laughs) we'll take a break and we'll be right back we got more to talk about in good pop bad pop hey how are you first i want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy t-shirts on popcultureleftovers.com. Or you can buy a PCO mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck. You can even buy a PCO bath mat. Listen to this. Imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCO Majestic logo. Hovering like a chopper. And just like a chopper, you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the thread this link or you can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt. Come on, do it now. Do it. Buy a shirt. I'm here. I'm right here. All right, hey, we are back. And uh, Paul, you had mentioned uh, that you went to a screening of uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Here's the thing: uh, not playing near anywhere where uh, Jake and I, uh, Jake and I are at. Like nowhere, Jake. Like we'd have to go to Chicago or St. Louis probably to see. The yeah, movie. I looked into it. Three hour drive at at minimum for us. Yeah, so. You know, I had to make the, you know, nearly three hour drive to see it at the critics screening. I'm glad I did. Um, But yeah, just, you know, that's something that, you know, there's too many, especially during the holidays, just too many people on the road. And so um, I can understand you not wanting to make that trip up to Chicago. I can see a lot of traffic jams. But uh, Paul, you got a chance to see it. What did you think? Yeah. Um, which is funny. There is more screenings. Well, because I do live in Milwaukee, which is a semi bigger market, not like Chicago. But uh, I'm in the middle of Milwaukee, so all of our big theaters had this. 
more theaters had this than they did Devotion. I had to go to a completely different movie theater to see Devotion. But um, uh, I love the first Knives Out and then, um, you know, just a little just a little backstory is uh, my grandma and I got super close after like the divorce. Uh, We never had a real relationship until that happened where she reached out to me and her and the kids and I talked every week and she came over last summer and uh, you know, she stayed with me and the kids for the whole week and the last day, I know I've said this a, a couple times on a couple podcasts, but um, she's big into the Agatha Christie movies or uh, Agatha Christie novels. And, you know, she was reading one and the kids went to bed. I'm like, hey, grandma, like it's our last night. You want to watch a movie? And she goes, do you have do you know any good movies that are like an Agatha Christie novel? And from listening to all those, uh, you know, like uh, commentaries by Ryan Johnson, I knew that a lot of Knives Out was based on um, Agatha Christie novels. So we watched, this is my last night with her, we watched uh, we watched Knives Out, and I'm like, how was it? And she's like, oh, I love, you know, I loved uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And I go, yeah, what about Daniel Craig? She goes, you know, this is a really bad James Bond movie. And I go, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? She goes, well, that's the guy that plays James Bond. I go, yeah, but he's not James Bond. She goes, yeah, but he works undercover, right? I go, no, Grandma, he's not. He's not being someone from Kentucky to like decide somebody's will. I think that's below James Bond pay grade. And we had to have this whole discussion how actors can do different things. And she loved the movie. And then uh, my my grandma passed away this summer, and. Uh, I'll always have that memory of, of knives out with her and these fun movies. So this has been my most anticipated movie of the year. And I just, I had to see this in the theater and I was so excited when I got here to found, to find out that it was sold out And man, like I love knives out one. I think it had a great ensemble cast like this movie was so different from the first one. The only thing you can say is the same to the first one is Daniel Craig's character of uh, Benoit Blanc. And I, I fucking, I left this movie theater with the biggest fucking smile. I think this is one of the best franchises that is coming out of Hollywood. I thought this is one of the, I I I I don't know if it's new toy syndrome. I love this cast. It's one of my reasons why I love Dave Bautista. I think he yeah. was one of the uh, fucking like scene stealers. Him and Kate Hudson. Um, I loved like no huge spoilers. I I really loved how we got to see a little bit like just a teensy weensy bit of the personal life of Benoit Blanc. And how, like, the pandemic affected all of us. Like, I just, I I adored this movie. I will, I can't, like, I know it's coming to Netflix. I hope I can be able to, like, have this in my hands on, like, a Blu-ray copy. Yeah. Or something. But this movie just, 
I was so scared because I didn't think it was going to live up to my expectations, but it just passed it. It was so different. And, Brian, I don't know if you can agree with me. I feel like this was a cooler movie than the first one. Like, this movie was just fucking cool, man. Like, I I think Daniel Craig, he's my favorite James Bond, but I love him more as Benoit Blanc. And this was just a fantastic continuation of how awesome of a P.I. Benoit Blanc is. It is absolute Tupperware. Can't wait to watch this again on December 23rd. Fucking love the shit out of this movie. Yeah, I, I hope we get to own it. I hope Netflix, you know, fucking comes out with a copy that we can own. I really do. Because I don't want to have to go to, like, fucking Etsy and buy it with somebody, like, that with, like, a handmade cover and all this shit. Because that's what I'll do. I want to have it on my shelf somehow. I'll find a way to I'll find a way to get it. But um Jake, I I know you're not like big on sequels typically, but don't think of this as a sequel. Like it's not. I, Oh yeah, I'm I'm already in that mindset. It, it's very much just a it's a different case. I mean, the only returning actor is Daniel Craig. Yeah, I think you could like go into this one and they do reference, you know, what he's done in the past and and but you could just go into this like any movie where it's like, you know, an established character has, you know, he's the world's greatest P.I. And he's like, you know, yeah, just go into it like he's the world's greatest fucking detective and go into it that mindset that this is completely different. We're in a completely different setting. Don't compare it to the first one. Just appreciate the ride that you're going on. Appreciate, you know. Uh, them peeling back the layers on this onion of a movie because it is fucking... I thought it was great. I I loved it. My crowd was fantastic. Oh. I think the I think the only thing that's gonna like not, that's that's gonna hurt your experience, Jake, is not having that crowd there because my crowd it was a crowd of critics and they were hooping and hollering and laughing and having a great time. The theater was like nearly packed, and I couldn't believe that I was in like a room of all Chicago critics that were loving this movie and just like, you know, laughing out loud. There was one guy who was just like, just, just almost falling out of his fucking theater seat, dude, just laughing his ass off. And, but it wasn't like a distraction because we were all having a good time. So I think that's going to be like the only thing that might hurt your experience. Yes. Yeah, I'm really mad at Netflix. I don't, I don't, none of this makes any sense to me. It's like they paid all this money so they could not make as much money. Which is... Like, I'm, I'm sorry, Jake. Which, I'm just which saying, is, like, why wouldn't they let us see this? Why wouldn't they put this out in the theater for four or five weeks and have a wider release? And, like, I don't understand what they what they hope to gain here. And it's, it's fucking crazy because it's only, like, in 630 theaters and it's made, like, $17 million. They're saying it might be, like, the number one grossing movie based on per theater of this year like fucking put that out for a month like like and why leave all that money on the table netflix isn't rolling in dough like that exactly and i mean maybe because of like the whole grandma thing who i know in my heart of hearts would have salt like brian my grandma, my 92-year-old grandma would have had this figured out within the first 20 <laughs> minutes. Like, it was just nice, you know, yeah. to have, like an, like, an open seat next to me, feel like I was watching it with her. But then I'm thinking to myself, like, 
if I watch this on December 23rd at home with not a packed theater that was just gasping at the twists, laughing at the jokes, would it be a Tupperware? It's like weird to think that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's fucking insane, but like. It's just so weird. It's one of the rare non property movies with a giant ensemble cast that actually packed the houses in, and then we squashed that for the sequel. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's Netflix buying it's Netflix making I think it's Netflix making the wrong moves here. Like they thought oh, that yeah. it's all about you know snatching up creators. So they drop all this money on Mark Miller, they drop all this money on Ryan Murphy, they get Ryan Johnson, they're locking up all these different properties. Adam Sandler. You know, they're doing all this stuff. I'm going to go see I I don't want to watch the new Pinocchio. In on Netflix, the Guillermo del Toro. Oh yeah, it looks so good. Well, and the, people are raving about it, and so I'm going to go see that on Tuesday at the theater. You know, um, and so I don't want to see it at home. I want to see that in the theater. Um, but uh, they're snatching up all these properties, all these creators. But I think they do need to. They, they need to change their rollout with these. You know. With with like especially with the Knives Out franchise, they need to drop it in the theater at least I would say for forty five days before it even hits the service. Yeah, and a wide release as well. Yes. Oh, and I think word of mouth will get out about this too because Brian, gun to my head right now, I know I saw it today. I think I like this better than the first one, man. It was just so different. It was so like such a beautiful setting, like. All these cast of characters, I love all of them. Edward Norton stands out. Well, he like, nails it again with like the setting too. It's all, you know, like in the first one, the house is almost a part of like it's a character. It's a character, and, and in this one, you know, the island, the glass onion, is a character, and like there's there's oh god, it is just a brilliant fun movie that should be seen with other people in the theater. Netflix, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Netflix rots in hell. I, I, I fucking hate Netflix. <laughs> like this was the theater experience. Cause like when it got done, I like looked at the people next to me like, dude, that was awesome. Like, yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, like, man. It was so just good. a cool fucking movie. And yeah, like I, like I, and I'm, I'm so happy. I was able to listen to your podcast with uh, Conroy on the way to the other Connor, 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 Connor. I'm sorry. Connor. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, um, you know, you name a couple cameos, but there was one cameo that had my jaw dropped and I just, I loved it so much, man. I fucking, oh, I, I adore this movie. I think everyone is used pretty much to their best just, and I, I want to see more Dave Batista, man. Like the way well, we've seen him evolve from that M know, Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah, I hope I hope you like M Night movies. Yeah, that does, like that was our preview. It looks fucking crazy, but like I just I feel like he is so willing to do whatever is asked of him. Yeah, like regardless, like <laughs> his character is so great in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> he's fantastic. I, I love it so much. Yeah, great, great fucking movie, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great way to end uh, 2022. Yeah. Well, we still got Avatar. Mm, we do. 
Don't know. I'm not even upset. I can't wait to see Avatar in two okay, weeks. Okay, it's going to be cool to look at. That's what I want to see. That's what it's I, gonna be cool to look at, but story wise, like, did we ever get a Fern Gully Part Two? Like, how can they copy that one? It's James Cameron. Don't count him out, you fucking cynics. Yeah, cynics. You James on. Cameron, Cameron cynics. Fucking rotten hell too. What a fucking <laughs> asshole. I love James Cameron. Brought me my I favorite get it. movie. Like when when like your Tarantino's and your Scorsese like put their nose up at the superhero genre. It's like I get it. I see I see your body of work. I see what you're talking about. I may not agree, but I see why you of all people are saying it. When James Cameron says that shit, I'm like, sit the fuck down, dude. You made fucking Terminator Two and Titanic and Avatar. Like, what the hell? I I don't see any difference between James Cameron's hits and the MCU movies. I love James Cameron. <laughs> yeah. I love James Cameron movies. I'm not too much on loving the man himself. Uh, I, you know, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by him, especially just his younger stuff. I, I don't like that he's like he's spending like, you know, his last years doing all these Avatar movies. I wish that he'd get back. I, I wish he'd go back to his roots and get away from this. It's like, you know, but, you know, he's making money hand over fist with this fucking Avatar shit. So we'll see. We, I, we got more Avatar to talk about later in news, so we'll get there. Uh, dangerous Breed, Crime, Cons, Cats. This is a uh, uh, docu-series, a true crime docu-series on Peacock. Canadian filmmaker Frederick Kretsch spends 10 years trying to make a reality show about controversial independent wrestler and Persian cat breeder Teddy Hart. After accumu- accumulating years of footage, Frederick is shocked when multiple women whom he has been filming alongside Teddy, describe disturbing accusations of sexual misconduct behind the scenes as Teddy defends himself against growing allegations. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay. Something happened with my earbuds. Um, As Teddy defends himself against growing allegations, his protege and ex-girlfriend Samantha Fiddler goes missing. With Samantha's family desperate for answers, Frederick re-examines the footage and seeks out the people closest to Samantha, leading to a dramatic current-day confrontation with Teddy Hart. Yeah, this uh, Teddy Hart comes from uh, wrestling fame, uh, the Hart family. I mean, you're talking generations of professional wrestlers, some of the biggest names in wrestling, uh, you know, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart and uh, Jim the Anvil. Stu Hart. I mean, British Bulldog. British Bulldog. Um, some of the biggest names in wrestling. And one of the, you know, you know, you got the Von Erics and then you've got the Hearts, two of the biggest families in wrestling. And um, have you guys seen the transformation of uh, what's his name? Zach Afron. Zach Afron turning into the, one of the Von Erics. Jesus yes. Christ. I can't wait to see more. He's on steroids, right? He's got to be. Oh, 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. There's no, way, there's no way. There's no way you get that big that quick without – I don't care, man. They, you know, I, these actors are saying, oh, you know, I'm eating all this grilled chicken and I'm doing this. I'm doing – I'm telling – I don't care. I don't care if you have personal trainers around the clock and you're eating chicken and you're – watching your hormone levels and doctors are doing this shit you don't get that big that quick if you're not fucking taking gear i'm sorry anyway um but uh yeah this guy teddy hart had a contract 
the uh, with the WWE, 18 years old, youngest guy they ever signed, and they just basically he's just a he was a prick to work with, and so they let him go, and then he went to uh, what was. Uh, ROH, Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. Yeah. Then he went to Ring of Honor. And then, you know, it became too much for them. And then he, he falls out with them. And so, like, now he's just doing, like, these little shows. But then he's also, like, uh, breeding these Persian cats and training these Persian cats. And then he's got this uh, – he gets uh, – he's, he's got he's, – he's married. And then this Frederick Kretsch guy comes along wanting to – you know, film him and uh, get a bunch of footage and then start pitching this reality show with Teddy Hart. Like, he's like, man, this is, you know, this is, this is, you know, people are into like the Jersey Shore. People are into all these different crazy reality shows. This guy comes from like the Hart family. He's fallen. I can do a show about like his rise, his ascension, his rise. And, uh, you know, it's got cats in it. People love cats. He's a cat trainer. This is crazy. People are going to love this. And he's shopping this shit around, shopping this shit around. Nobody will take it. Finally, somebody's interested in this series. And that's when the sexual uh, allegations, the, the sexual misconduct allegations come into play. And uh, we find out that, you know, he had brought in this other woman and they're going to start like this, you know, it was for the show, start this polyamorous relationship with this other woman and come to find out like Teddy's not letting these women leave. Like he's forcefully keeping them there. There's, you know, there's there's claims of like uh, physical and sexual abuse. And um, I mean, he loses the show and then other things start to come out and he he starts you know dating this woman Samantha Fiddler a you know beautiful girl three kids mother who's wanting to get into professional wrestling to help provide for her family she sees that Teddy is a way to get into it and to change her life because of his connections and he takes her from Canada down to Florida. They have a big falling out. He steals her passport. She can't get home, and he just leaves her there. And now she's been missing for years. Like, by the time they're filming this documentary, she's been missing for five years. Family hasn't heard or seen from her in five years. She's basically just stuck here. And um, this is tragic. It was three episodes. I watched all three episodes this is just a tragic fucking story. And uh, I, I want to ask you guys later at the end of this, like, you know, do you think, you know, he did it? Um, curious to hear what you guys think about that, if you got that far into the, into the uh, docuseries. But, um, Paul, what did you think about Dangerous Breed, Crime, Cons, Cats? Yeah, man, I watched this entire thing in one sitting, uh, it's a Tupperware based on how entertaining, like how how fascinating. May, I don't think entertaining's the great word, because this this Teddy guy is a piece of fucking shit. Like they make no bones about it. But I also think the documentarian guy is a piece of shit too. Like he's sat there for ten years, and at any moment he could have shown any of these women some of the footage he's done. And shot of Teddy, especially like the girl that's gone missing. Like he could have shown, like when she strips, like oh, I don't think he has. Some, like I just have that woman's intuition. 
that he wouldn't do anything to me. Like, no, just show that fucking footage of like him threatening to choke that girl out of the fucking Applebee's. Like the guy is a fucking asshole. Um, like it was a captivating story, you know, like it just shows, you know, the price of, you know, wanting to be famous and how people can take advantage of it and how scary that is. Um, it's a Tupperware based on all of that, but I just, I didn't enjoy a lot of people minus her family from this documentary. Like I, I, I just, I hated Teddy. I hated the documentarian. I hated how Teddy always hung the fact that he was a member of the Hart family. I think that's what got a lot of these women into it was that, ooh, we might be able to meet Bret Hart, but even the Hart family really wants nothing to do with him. Um, You know, it was just, it was a fascinating watch, but it just also made my blood boil of, like, how people can take advantage of others wanting to make themselves famous or rise up in a world of entertainment. Yeah. No, like, like, you know, this is something that you would expect to see like on like the dark side of the ring. But of course this guy, Frederick wants to put it out himself. Right. Cause yeah, I didn't like him either, man. You know, I, I felt hated this I, guy, man. I felt like, and he kept trying to kind of like, it's like, uh, it's a, li- it's a, a little too late, you know, to apologize and say what you should have and could have done and all this stuff. And he's trying to do that throughout this documentary. Like, oh, I wish I would have this and I wish I would have that. And but now you that didn't. He didn't. <laughs> exactly. So he, he's, he's a fucking shit bag. And um, Teddy's a shit bag. And I felt so bad for Samantha. Um, I actually, like, I reposted, like, the missing samantha fiddler thing just to get it out there because i felt so compelled to like just do anything like you know you know i mean (laughs) so i reposted it on twitter because i felt so bad for her family and and for her and for her kids and i just want them i want that family to have closure her sister's like i don't think she's alive i think she's dead um i think she's dead too i do too and it's it's tragic it's fucking sad man but i'm with you it's it's i i feel like um I hate giving it a Tupperware too, but I, I kept I could not not watch this. I don't Tupperware like this Frederick Ketch and his directing, and I don't Tupperware that. I Tupperware the fact that um, the story's finally out there, and hopefully the family can get some s- sort of like closure. I, it's it just makes you feel icky, like watching this. It like oh, it just makes you feel icky. It's not like it's not like watching. Tiger King was just so fucking weird. And I know there's a murder in that one, too. Uh, you know, a, a disappearance, a possible murder. And there's a possible murder in this one. It's just Tiger King was just so fucking bizarre and almost comical. Like this was this just takes too many dark turns. And you see like like a real evil side to this motherfucker. And I, it just makes me sick that this guy's still fucking out there. And then this woman who has kids and people that actually love her and care for her. Is uh, and and in every fucking video that he's in now, he's still got another woman with him. And so, like, yeah. when is this shit? Like, when is he? When when is he gonna learn? When are these women gonna learn? Like, what the fuck? I don't know, man. And I don't know, like I like I know Jake. I think you follow this more too. But it's like, 
even with Bret Hart lately, like it's like you guys just only care about yourselves and putting other people down. Like Jesus, the ego and self-preservation inside of this Hart family has become like you guys are ruining your own dynasty. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Jake, what did you think? I didn't really like this. Um, I, I was going to give it a low taste it. Um, I mean, the first word in my notes for this was icky. I was laughing when you were saying that a bunch. Um, I've never seen Tiger King, but I mean, I've seen clips and I've seen parodies. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was like a little bit nudge, nudge, wink, wink played for laughs. Just the edits, what they decided to show. Like I, the filmmakers there really felt like they were like trying to not only captivate, but get people like laughing a little bit. Um this this felt nothing like that at all. I just I found everyone completely disgusting. Um, I agree with the the Frederick complaint too. Um, I, I thought it was made even worse by I kind of legit at first within the first like fifteen twenty minutes did feel bad for him like how things shook out and it was the fact that they made me feel bad for him that made me dislike him even more once I started seeing more and more of his character and his decisions and his traits. I was like, I felt icky myself for feeling bad for that guy in the first place. But just my my knee-jerk reaction was, man, this guy finally makes everything happen, and now look what Teddy goes and does. You know, Teddy just ruins it all for this guy. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel so bad for him anymore. I, I just found... Teddy to be so despicable and so gross. And I was so saddened by the turn of events. Um, I did watch two episodes. It was very train wreck TV. It was just like, what, what's the next fucked up thing that they're going to show me. But I think I'm done. I, I can't watch any more of this. I'm not invested enough hearing you guys say that it's really the case is still completely open. Um, yeah, I, I have no desire to watch any more of this show. Um, I would be interested in clicking on links that had updates to this story. Like now that I'm made aware of this and what's going on and, and what happened, I'm, I'm definitely curious enough to read more if like further developments happened. But just the presentation and the circus of it all, I, I didn't care for it. I mean, I had to, I had to watch it, you know, like mm-hmm. I had to, I had to see if Teddy got his comeuppance. I had to see, you know, what's, you know, what's going on with Samantha. I had to watch it. it just like any, you know, I, it's not like when I watched old episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, I was like, man, wow. You know, like it, it it's not like they presented it as trash TV either. Uh, like the way that this kind of like was played for trash TV, like it originally was just going to be trash TV. But yeah, then- and I feel like the, just the edit and the sounds and the music that they use, like it, it's still very much trying to present that vibe, and it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I just couldn't. It's stop not watching. enjoyable on that kind of level to me. Yeah, I just couldn't stop watching. I had to find out what yeah. happened. So, I mean, yeah, I don't, fa- I don't fault in. you guys. It's definitely a very interesting story. Yeah. He's a huge piece of shit. Um, yeah. So, Brian, do you think he's... I mean, I personally think he didn't do anything to her, but I think he put her in a real fucked-up situation that led to her murder. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that he fucking took her passport, left her down there, and she had no way of taking care of herself, and she got involved with some bad people, and then they ended up... I mean, she might have ended up in sex trafficking and, 
I mean, she may have been murdered. So it's it's fucking terrible, dude. Yeah, he's accomplice at the least. Yeah. What, yeah. A, mm-hmm. what a huge piece of shit. God, he fucking sucks, dude. Uh, let's talk about... Like, oh, go ahead. I was at like... And, and one thing really bothered me so much was when they talked to his dad of how, like, you know, like his ex-wife and that partner that was living with them had all this, like, they had all the evidence, but Teddy was just able to hire a fantastic lawyer because of his family. And his dad makes a comment like, yeah, dude, I think Teddy was a piece of shit. Like, if I was one of their dads, it'd be a different story, but he's my son and I had to get the good lawyer. You're like, dude, fuck you, man. Like, if that's your only reckoning, like, you can't see that your son is doing something bad. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, just ruin these women's lives to save your son, but you know it's the wrong thing to do. Like, go to hell, man. What a what a way to ruin the heart name. Terrible. <laughs> I know. Fucking. I, was, I, I grew up a huge fan of the fucking Heart Foundation. I love the Heart Foundation. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. Bret Hart giving all those kids those sunglasses. Yeah, and all the Owen Blue Blazer stuff. I fucking loved them. I loved Neidhart as well, pulling oh. on his goatee like a maniac. I remember. Oh. I remember one time they 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 brought him out to the to the ring, and the announcer mispronounced his name. They, they and uh, he like. He got so angry, and I think he grabbed the mic out of his hands, and and he's like, "I'll say it right." And he's like, "You already messed it up." <laughs> so I loved him and that fucking goatee that he had. He was awesome. He passed away sadly. Yeah, he did. Yeah, just in the last couple of years, I believe. I saw I saw them at the Civic Center. They were fucking awesome. And me as well. Me as well. <sighs> Let's talk about the documentary "Good Night Oppie," uh, charting the remi- uh, charting the remarkable true story of Opportunity, a NASA exploration rover that was sent to Mars for a ninety day mission, but ended up surviving for fifteen years. "Good Night Oppie" is a documentary film directed by Ryan White, narrated by Angela Bassett. Uh, film tells the story of Opportunity, uh, the Mars rover that launched in two thousand three, is expected to operate for only ninety days, but explored Mars for nearly 15 years. The film features archival and interview footage with scientists and engineers and recreations of the rover's treks over the Martian landscape in search of water. And uh, now, what is it, like an hour and 38 minutes or hour 40 minutes, something something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew about this thing, and I knew, it, like, you know, even, like, going on Reddit years ago, they'd, you know, always come out with, like, news stories about, like, what these rovers were, you know, ex- you know, finding on Mars and, like, you know, you know, proof of, you know, water and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it, it, it's fascinating. I just didn't know, like, you know, this kind of just – this kind of, like, lays it out from, like, the beginning, the idea and how they never even thought that it would – it would that that they get they could uh, get the actually get the the flight you know scheduled, and they had to hit a certain window because if they missed that window, they'd have to wait like a full twenty six months before they could you know plan the flight again, and uh, and then it seemed like almost an impossibility to land the rovers. Uh, on Mars because of the terrain and uh, you know they're worried about the 
about the rovers burning up in the atmosphere. And, you know, just I thought I I, I did like the the CG graphics showing you like, you know, how they got these rovers to Mars. You get to see like the rockets launching and then when they enter the atmosphere and then how they were basically covered in like these giant kind of like uh, um, almost like airbags, right? These huge airbags that were surrounding them that they would hit the surface and then bounce around right on the surface of Mars. And then, then it would open up and then they, they would have like these little ramps that they could go down. One of them lands in a crater. I think that was spirit and then opportunity kind of like landed on like an open space. And, uh, it was, it's wild to think though. Like, you know, I talk about, I'm fascinated by robots and telepresence devices. Like this is the ultimate telepresence device. Like these people were controlling these rovers, you know, at the NASA, at NASA and they'd have to upload the movements that they wanted the, the journey, the, uh, that they wanted these rovers to take. And it would take 20 minutes for those commands to get to them from the satellites on earth to the, to the rovers on Mars. And they'd have to, um, they'd have to, it's not like, she said it was not like steering a car, not like a steering wheel. You'd have to, you'd have to like basically type this stuff out, like in code or whatever, and then send it off. And, and sometimes, you know, it like, what was it like seven, eight years, they'd only moved like nine miles or something. It was pretty wild. Yeah. That, that blew me away when they were talking about the time and the distance. Yeah. Um, it's just incredible. It's an amazing feat. It's I think these I think the people at NASA should be should be proud of like what they did. Um, you know, it's a lot of money to spend to do this. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe money could be used a little bit. You know, we could use a little bit of that here on, on our own planet. But that aside, this is an amazing scientific accomplishment, and. Uh, pretty fucking incredible um so i i'm gonna give it a high taste it i i found it you know i found it enjoyable i i you know there's certain times where they're uh worried about the rover being damaged or um even when they landed the rovers and uh the rovers were were going online and uh and you see, like, everybody at NASA, like, cheering. I was like, that is so cool. And then they talk about, like, the dust storms on Mars and how, like, the, the, the solar panels on these rovers were so dusty that they weren't getting the power that they needed. And they, these, these dust storms came through and cleaned them off. And it was almost a blessing. So Yeah, they it, were so worried about it. And yeah. It actually did a huge favor. And I just, you know, and, like, the people at NASA talking about how, you know, like... You know, it's not like having it's they they try to compare it to like having a child like like, you know, watch it, you know, like like they put so much work into this child and then sending them out into the world and and watching them. And and so, you know, if if the rover got into some like into trouble, like they they treated it as, you know, they 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 would get emotional over these fucking robots. And they said even the robots themselves were. Uh, almost human-like in in many ways, like with the 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 cameras, um, they had twenty twenty vision, and there were two of them, like where the eyes would be, and they made them five foot two, which is the average height of you know of of of, of people on on Earth. So 
I guess if you just take- the fact that as they got older, they became less proficient, gave them a very, very much like humanity to me. Right. And the way that they, and, and the way that they they would lose their memory and how the one mm-hmm. NASA, the, the one girl at NASA was dealing with uh, with a grandparent that was going through dementia and how that was hitting her as well. And and seeing that these, you know, rovers were losing their memory and having to like recalibrate every day. It was fascinating, man. It was really fascinating. It's a high taste it for me. Um, good night, Oppie. I I think the people over there at NASA are just like it's mind blowing. You know, the between you know um, the engineers and the scientists, it's just it's mind blowing what they can accomplish. What did you think, Jake? I loved it. It was a Tupperware for me. Um, I I just didn't expect to like. I can understand how they would get so emotional for these two robots because, I mean, I only spent an hour and 40-some minutes with them. And, and by the end of it, I'm not going to lie, I, I got pretty emotional for, for their final fate. So I can understand spending all these years and how you would feel by the end of that journey. Um, yeah, I was just extremely captivated by this. Um, I loved seeing the differences between the scientists and the engineers and how they would go about problem-solving with each other and just like – seeing those two types of people clash and what the outcomes were. Um, I thought it was really cool how generational it was, how there were people that like saw these robots like being built and launched as kids that eventually became part of the program itself before they went offline. I thought that was really cool. Um, I loved all the wake up song music stuff that they did and how just so many moments would happen with so many like on the nose songs I thought was really wild. Um, yeah, and the whole scene where it gets its wheels stuck when it's on its way to its second crater, I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought that could have been the end of it right there. It's stuck there for the rest of its life. So, man, I was just fist pumping for these stupid things. And I, I was really surprised at how emotionally invested I got in in a movie like this. I, I thought it was wonderful. That's awesome. Did it remind you of like, you know, you know, like uh, the inspiration for for Wally? The Pixar movie? Yeah, I, I, I very much think it did. I feel like the, the, the design of Wally is definitely an, an homage to the design of Spirit and Opportunity. I think it's impossible for them to say it's not. Man, uh, did you see that, that, that rover that they designed at the end? That fucker looked awesome. Yeah, quite the upgrade. Yeah. Holy shit, man. <laughs> Holy it's going to land up there and just stomp on the dead carcass of Oppie. Uh, oh. <laughs> bring Oppie home. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was really cool, though. Just amazing visuals, too. I mean, watch it on the biggest TV you have. Just great, stunning HD visuals. I I loved it. Yeah, Paul, what did you think? Oh, I, there's not much more I can echo from Jake, but I adored the shit out of this movie. Like I, you know, I, I didn't know about it. You put it on the list. I turn it on. I'm like, Oh, what is this? And man, I, I, I straight out cried during multiple parts of this movie. And, you know, I obviously saw a lot of Wally in this, but I also saw, a lot of the Matt Damon, the Martian movie in this as well. Like it was Mm. just, I was so captivated by this. I think the best part of this was the scientists and engineers aspect of how, you know, there was like a little rivalry, but they came together uh, because of this machine that kind of took on its own 
personality and it was just kind of a testament of how sometimes you grow up thinking there's not a lot of people like you but eventually you'll find your own people and it was so cool to see these engineers and scientists find their own people and how these 15 years just brought them together and you know, I think if I ever hear that Billie Holiday song again, I'll just break down in tears thinking <laughs> of a robot. Um, and yeah, this is a tough one. I love, just love this. This was so charming and so, like, motivational, especially a movie based on, like, a robot. Like, it was just, it was so fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. When I was, uh, when I saw this uh, was coming out this week, I had to put it on the list. I'm obsessed with robotics and uh so i had to watch this yeah, yeah i would have loved to have seen this in the theater it, it's this would have been a great one to see in the theater oh yeah i would have watched this in the theater <laughs> absolutely and angela bassett great narrator too i was she yes. was great she was great i thought she was really good it's like it's like you don't have to get morgan freeman for everything so <laughs> Let's talk about Shaq. This is going to be four episodes. It's a docu-series on HBO Max featuring a series of revealing interviews with Shaquille O'Neal. It tells the story of a basketball legend unlike any other whose larger-than-life personality transcended the sport and transformed him into a cultural icon. The documentary series chronicles Shaq's ascent to superstardom as a dominant force who won four championships, league MVP honors, and changed the game. It also encompasses his life off the court, from his upbringing in a military family to his deepest personal relationships and prosperous broadcasting and business careers. So they've only released one episode. They're going to be driving this weekly. So I got to watch. We got to watch the first episode. And um, what? Oh my! This is fucking. I think this is. I, I'm at a top where I loved it. I, I'm. I'm I loved it. I loved learning about like his childhood, the fact that he did come from this military family, um, him having to jump all around and, you know, but it's, it's like, it's like he found the right people at the right times, you know, like when he was in Germany, he found the right basketball team that would grow with him, uh, a coach that believed in him. And then, you know, when, uh, then he, then he found like, uh, that, that, the uh, the the one was he a scout or was he the coach at LSU like an assistant coach? Oh, Dale Brown. Yeah, Dale Brown. He was like the coach was at the LSU. Head coach. Head coach at LSU. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's that you know that's that's why Shaq went to LSU is because of his relationship with Dale Brown and Dale Brown believing in him and just the size of this fucking guy when he was like 10 years old he's like six foot something it's it's just unreal and they were talking about he was talking about how he he was growing at such an unbelievable rate that his that his like muscles and bones had not really caught up with the fact that he's growing so much so that it hurt him when he would play and you know he would cry after you know uh, certain you know games and things like that, and the like, coach would want to pull him out. And he'd be like, "No, I'm going to play. I'm going to play." And he would play. And there'd be other teams that wouldn't believe that he was a fucking ten year old kid. There was like the, the one guy who stood up and pulled his kid out of the game and said, "No way, that motherfucker is ten years old. If that motherfucker is ten years old, he's going to grow up and be one of the best NBA players in the fucking world." And he turned out to be. 
in my opinion, I do think that Shaquille O'Neal is the most dominant center that's ever played the game. And I wanted to argue for years when I was younger that no, it was Wilt Chamberlain. It was Wilt Chamberlain. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if anybody could stand up to Shaq. I really don't. I mean, the guy was just over three hundred pounds. They were talking about like towards like you know like later part of his career. Like they were talking about him being like you know three three forty, three fifty, maybe even bigger. Like how the fuck do you stop that? And Dale Brown, his coach. He, he didn't want him to com- continue playing at LSU because they were just attacking the guy. He was worried about this guy, Shaq, getting hurt before he could make it into the pros and get that contract. And I love that Dale Brown, like, kind of told, told him, like, you know, and told the world, like, I'd love to have him come back here. It's a luxury having him on this team. But I think he should go pro. And, uh, you know, I could, you know, I I could keep talking about Penny Hardaway. I could talk, you guys can talk about, if you want to talk about his, his real dad on the Ricky Lake show, I I could just continue to talk about this, this docuseries, the first episode and gush about it. It's a Tupperware for me, but, uh, I'll pass it off. Paul, what did you think about Shaq? Oh my God. Um, yeah, so what, like when was he drafted? Like in the 92 draft? 92, yeah. Yeah, like that's when I was kind of getting big into like the zeitgeist of everything. And Orlando Magic became such a huge part of like what was in. Like that was the like that was the winner pullover starter jacket you had to have was uh, the Magic, you know, in the movie Blue Chips and – I always remember playing the uh, the SNES video game Shaq Fu. Like this guy was fucking everywhere, uh, you know. And and for me, like in ninety, I believe it was ninety five, when I was like, oh my god, dude, Shaq's magic got rid of Michael Jordan's Bulls in the playoffs. But I mean, there's there's more to that story. Yeah, but don't like even get me was, started on that fucking I'm Nick Anderson. Don't even get me started on that Nick Anderson steal and all that shit. Fucking Jordan I'm came not, man. I'm <laughs> just saying, man. Like, I know. That's the thing. <laughs> I know. Hey, man, I'm and, not. Don't even I'm give not, me. Man. Don't even get me started on fucking Horace Grant. Well, I think it was more because of Horace Grant less than Shaq. But like, man, this this like, and Shaq has become. One of my favorite people, you can go on YouTube and watch like a video of him hiding out at like a Walmart and Target and trying to find a family that he feels could really use a boost and he pays for their entire bill and throws in like a PS4 and like four controllers to it. Like, I just I think the guy has transcended basketball and just being a cool person. And what I think is really, really cool about this documentary was, you know, like when you look at the last dance, you, you you know, you like, you look at Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, everyone says they were born with like this natural talent. Like this one is kind of like, no Shaq didn't have that natural talent. He was a big guy, but he had to like work like he really had to put in the work like this guy was cut like from a team of like a high school that had 50 kids in it like 
he really had he really had to work on it and um like the Dale Brown thing was just you know I guess a teacher myself it's so cool to see people who work in an industry with like young kids who just see something and don't give up like they're not doing it for them but they're doing it for the kid and like Dale Brown and even the coach from Germany uh I I thought those two individuals were fantastic but the thing that stuck out for me which I never thought I'd say like five years ago but is the importance of like step parents you know like you can argue step like Shaq's stepdad was super hard but the dude was from military and I think Shaq would even tell you like no he's my actual dad and like it just made me thankful that my kids have a stepdad that gives a shit um it's like that, um, it's like that Yandu moment in fucking Guardians too. It too. is. It is. It made yeah. me think of Jake when he when he talked about the Yandu moment in the Black Panther uh, episode. Like it really is. Like I mean, I still am my kids' daddy and father, but I'm glad somebody else enjoys them. Um, but man, I I love this. I love the edits. I love like when Shaq would pull a lever to like show when he would go from Shaquille to Shaq. Yeah. Uh, loved his fucking mom. Like you can go pro if you balance a checkbook. Like that's fucking, that's fucking cool. I just, man, I Orlando Shaq, fucked up, right? Dude, they fucked up so hard. They fucked up. They put out a poll to the, <laughs> to the fans. Should they resign Shaq? Like, oh my God, what a fucking slap in the fucking face. That the organization doesn't have faith in one of the, and probably the best, you don't, a player like that, seven foot one, that big, that can move like that, that is one in a fucking million. I mean, there are plenty of seven footers in the NBA, but not seven footers that, that, that are that athletic, that can move like that, that can dominate a game. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, yeah. I understand that they bent and they didn't draft. They didn't draft. No, no, they didn't. They fucked up. They drafted Chris Webber originally. They were going to keep him. And he's like, we don't need a power forward. You got me. I need a guy that's going to give me the ball. And he had to fucking call in and have and force them to make that fucking trade. And then they do that shit. I, I was just blown away. Um, have you seen the ESPN 30 for 30, that magic moment? I don't think I have. Oh, you, yeah, that, it's all about, like, the rise of the Magic when they turn into, like, an expansion team and, like, like everything, but... I saw the, I saw the, the Penny Hardaway and Shaq documentary that came out a few years ago, and that was really good. Yeah, no, like, I highly recommend that uh, Magic Moment. It's on Disney Plus. It's, it's so, it's so good, but it just shows that Shaq was such a student of the game, like... He never got complacent with how he was as a player. Like, he definitely had to learn the hard way. You know, like, maybe I shouldn't rap about how I'm going to beat the Rockets. <laughs> you know, shit like that. But, like, he always tried to make himself better. And, it like, he just did it. Like, it's so cool for kids that maybe don't have that natural talent to see a dude like Shaq have to work hard for it. Like... 
this is something you want, go get it. Like you may not be naturally gifted for it, but go fucking get it. Like, and he makes no bones about it. Like he is, he's so humble and he's so charismatic. I just, I can't wait to see like the Lakers stuff. I can't wait to see the pop culture stuff. I remember my dad taking me to see blue chips, like all of that stuff. Like I'm just, I wish we kind of had more episodes of this because I think there's a lot of story of Shaq to tell. Yeah, I just wanted to put the word out there so people start watching this because it's really Oh, good. yeah, it's so fucking good. Absolute Tupperware. Did you guys know that, that at one time there was going to be, I believe it was going to be a pay-per-view event, and I think they even Shaq had... Shaq versus Jordan. No, it was Shaq versus Hakeem. Oh. Shaq versus The Dream. They, it was going to be a... Pay, I think it was going to be a pay-per-view event, and I think even McDonald's had cups or something made for this. I want to push you on They were going to have like special though. rules and stuff, right? I'd have to look more into it, but I remember it it was it, it was really close to happening and then something something happened and it fell out. It never happened. But it was Shaq versus Akeem and I'm sure there was going to be, you know, some some rules. But yeah. I'd have to look it up. Jake, what do you think about Shaq? Oh, this was the thing I absolutely hated. I got like maybe 27 minutes into this and just shut it off. I I don't know. I guess this isn't for me. <laughs> I just thought the the presentation was so bad to me. It was like the most self-absorbed, pretentious presentation for any of these sports documentaries I've ever seen. Like what the fuck is going on with Shaq in this like weirdly lit room with this like unused Game of Thrones set that he's got going on? Like I it was just too much. It was too much just him talking and I did I wasn't really captivated by any of it or drawn in by any of it. I didn't get to the Yandu moment, I don't think, but and I kind of scrubbed with my finger through the rest of the episode to see if most of the rest of it was just him in his weirdly lit chair and it was so i was like eh, i'm i'm good on this i never i never need to see any of this again i'd rather watch a shack doc that he was less involved with i think okay yeah i, I don't i i mean i just i don't yeah i I mean, to each their own. I, I was, <laughs> I I was get it. bored to tears by this. <laughs> uh, I, I was captivated and loved every moment of this. I <laughs> thought Unky, it was. Unky Shaq is going to sit in his chair and tell you a tale. Of course he's going to sit down. Can you imagine fucking all the fucking times he's had to run on that goddamn court with that gigantic body and the fucking. The shit that his knees fuck? have been I put through. I talked about standing up for two minutes, and I'm lazy. Shaq sits down for a whole documentary, and it's like, oh, of course. The dude fucking played. The dude, <laughs> dude played for like fucking 15 seasons at over fucking 300 pounds running up and down that goddamn court. His knees are fucked. God damn it. Let the guy sit down. He's fucking earned it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is some nitpicky bullshit. Holy shit, man. My what part is nitpicky? the presentation it was bad yeah it was fantastic <laughs> I fantastic <laughs> i'm nitpicky would be if i like complained about like tiny aspects about it i i hated there's no nitpick i i hated the entirety of it i think i think what i think the stuff that you the stuff that you didn't like was kind of i mean i don't know just like 
oh, he's he's sitting down. Here he is in this chair. I'm like, come on. Get the yeah, fuck show out. me some more footage. Show me some more stuff. Let's hear other people and what they have to say. We heard tons of fucking. There's tons of interviews with tons of other people. What the fuck? Penny Hardaway, his fucking mom, his fucking siblings, his fucking coaches. Yeah, I'm sure they're all very nice people. <laughs> dude sits on a dude sits down on a on a fucking lazy boy, and fucking Jake is just like, ah, fuck this. I felt like he was so self-deprecating this entire first episode. I man, this is... <laughs> as he had a spotlight shined on him. It's called Shaq. <laughs> it's not called. Sh- it the, it's not called Shaq and friends. It's called Shaq. Yeah, he's gonna have a fucking spotlight on him in his documentary. I'd be willing to revisit his history when he was less involved in the telling of it. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> then watch this magic moment, Jake. Yeah, I feel like he must be like exec producer on this thing or something. Like He's definitely more than just like helping out. Good. I mean, Jordan had a lot of inf- – Jordan had basically complete control over like the last dance. He always got the last word in. Uh, and that was part of his contract was like, I want the last word. And I'm Which glad he did. It still shocks me that they were able to get the Steve Kerr punching in the face story in there. I fucking no. All right, let's. I, <laughs> I'm not. Not. I'm sorry. Sorry. No. I'm gonna. Sh- I'm gonna shack attack Jake here in a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've I've loved the majority of of these kind of documentaries, and I was surprised at how allergic to this I was. Uh, yeah, I'm allergic to you right now. <laughs> Brian needs an EpiPen. I'm shocked. I'm like, oh my god, they're both Tupperwareing this. I'm an asshole. I guess. you are. Yes, you fit. Yeah, boom, you nailed I it. I had no idea when you kind of gave like a hint that there was something you hated. Never in my wildest dreams it would have been this. That was off it was air. This crap. It was off air. <laughs> Jake said off air that there was something that he watched that he hated. And he oh, turned it, was it off. Off air. I'm sorry. Yeah. So no, it's. Yeah, I feel about you right now the same way you feel about fucking food-scented candles. <laughs> you want to eat me, even though you could smell me? I feel like no. I feel like somebody candle. <laughs> I feel like somebody fucking lit a meatloaf candle in here, and I'm just like, ah, fuck, I what? Well, well, ah, I can't eat meatloaf. How do I? <laughs> when is since when is my enjoyment level of anything affected? What you feel about it? It's, you know, you'll be fine. Oh come on! Can I? Hey, can we agree that this is just for comedic purposes? <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm. When the fuck did you start taking me so seriously, Jake? <laughs> I mean, for comedic purposes. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at you trying to flip this shit on me. <laughs> I feel like I got got there more than I flipped the shit. Oh, you turned it around pretty good, man. That was that was great. Ah, <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> I love when you go all Sylvester the Cat on me. Oh man, this is oh Jesus. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the swimmers. This is on Netflix. Two Syrian sisters flee their war-torn home in Damascus, swim for hours in choppy Mediterranean seas to reach Greece, 
as asylum seekers before going on to compete at the Rio Olympic Games. Uh, it's a biographic, uh, biographical film directed by Sally L. Hosseini from a screenplay that she co-wrote with Jack Thorne. The film stars uh, Natalie Issa, Manal Issa, Ahmed Malek, Matthias Schweigofer, Ali Suleiman, Kinda Alush, James Krishna Floyd, and Elmi Rashid Elmi. And um, are those two girls, are they sisters in real life? No, I looked it up. They got the same last name. They have the same last name. Oh, wait, no, maybe. Their last name is Issa, both of them. Jesus, Paul. I'm Dude, I should have looked this. <laughs> I should have looked this up, Paul. Not you. <laughs> don't don't feel bad. This should this is on I me. Terrible. This is on me. No, and I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna put part of it on Jake too. Seventy five seventy five percent on me, twenty five percent on Jake missing this one too. I'll, I'll hold so, that. Yeah. No, put like eighteen percent on Jake. And Fuck you, Paul. You know what? <laughs> Fuck you. Paul. Paul, you, you're gonna... I just decided to take some of the heat. How is that a fuck you to me? I said I'd hold it, Paul. What am I not not strong enough? I didn't say that, Jake. I'm very strong. <laughs> no, you and your fucking percentages. You act like you fucking work for NASA and you put those rovers on Mars. <laughs> you let me handle the math over here, okay, buddy? Uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. All right. They were they were real sisters from Lebanon. There you go, Paul. Oh, you're, you're giving out fucking fake information and shit. I'm, I'm fake news. Fake news, Paul. <laughs> That's what we call him. <laughs> I hope so. That's what we call him. <laughs> fake news hard is what I always yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to start calling you Teddy Hart. Oh, no. How <laughs> dare you, sir? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you, sir? <laughs> All right. The Swimmers. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to start with you, Paul. Talk to me, man. What would you think about The Swimmers? Man, I i don't know. I'm, I might be like a little like first. So I, I've watched this like four times now because I watched this with my daughter who just fucking loved this. Uh, first viewing was a Tupperware. I thought it was so cool. And then like after a while, I'm like, oh, we got to watch this again. Like. I don't know. That may sound like a dick. I feel like the only two sports movies I can, oh, the only couple I can rewatch, really I like, remember the Titans, cool runnings and the air up there. But, uh, I really, I think this is a great story that needs to be told. I just was not. Hey Jake, would you have lost it. respect for him? If he said air, bud, <laughs> I don't know. That would, have been a, that would have been a hot take. I probably would have gained respect. What if he I wouldn't have agreed? What if he would have said like the fifth Airbud that they Air made? Airbud five. Airbud five. Air buddies. Air buddies. Yeah, it's like the one where fucking like, it, like the dog is like playing, uh, you know what? Like soccer. No, what's it? <laughs> P- poker. No, what's that? <laughs> Backgammon. No, what's that fucking? What's that fucking sport with the fucking ice and they're pushing the little fucking things? Curling. Yeah. What if yes. it was Airbud Seven and it's it's Airbuds a curl curling. <laughs> I've never seen a single Airbud movie. I don't think I've ever seen an Airbud movie either. Not oh, a second of it. The first Airbud is pretty disturbing. 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 Yeah, How is it disturbing? The, like the head coach is very abusive to the human players. Oh well, at least it's not the dog. 
I know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're right. You're there's like this scene where like this kid misses a free throw and after the game the coach is like hurling like passes at the kid's face and he's like bleeding. I thought you were telling me like oh they they fed him chocolate at halftime and he died. <laughs> paul when did you watch the swimmers for the first time uh man i got the kids on uh wednesday i think it came out on 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 wednesday we watched it wednesday night and then we watched it like three more times on uh thanksgiving day so between wednesday and thursday you saw this four times yes there's no movie in existence that if I, if I watched that many times in that small of a period, I wouldn't downgrade my rating. I don't, I'm going on the first time because I thought it was good. And like, I, I love that Hazel loves it. Like, I think it's a it's a cool story she needs to see. But like by the third time, I'm like, oh, man, this isn't this is this is bad. But Paul, Paul's, no, I, Paul's, <laughs> Paul's wishing that they would drown in the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, in the pool scene. I wish that bomb would have went off. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm like, let's end it now with the curb your enthusiasm. Paul's like, think. why doesn't Netflix? Why doesn't Netflix do that? Choose your own story with this movie. You know, the bomb detonate. Yeah, would you like the bomb to detonate? <laughs> Go yes, yes. Let's get let's get through this. That was interview. the worst version of the curb theme I've ever heard. I've, I've, that, yeah, I'm really bad at. Ow! <laughs> Paul really sucked at that. Da, 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 da. <laughs> no, like I do. Like I think it's like I mean, I almost. After the fourth time, I would rather. <laughs> After the fourth time, I feel bad for Paul hearing this. <laughs> this is like sounds like your daughter clockworked orange your ass into watching this yeah. shit. I was sitting there with my eyelids wide open, but I mean, you know, like you know, like it's I'm I'm happy for her. Like good for you, you you enjoy this. I almost would have rather enjoyed this more now. After so many times, as like a documentary with the real people, like this would have been way better than Hey Willie Mays or whatever, <laughs> whatever the hell. Um, but I think it like first watch, like because I only would have watched this once, uh, I thought it did a fantastic job of telling a story of you know, like about a group of people I know nothing about and all their hardships and how these two sisters and all the terrible, terrible fucking shit they had to go through. And like, I do think it's a great story that needs to be seen. I just don't know if you need to see it four times. <laughs> I love this review. It's one of my all time favorite. <laughs> I really don't know if you see this four times. I, on the fourth viewing, Paul is just like giving his daughter the side eye the entire time. Oh my god! Like I'm like, what do you guys want to watch? Like I'm like, I even said like, hey, the new Guardians of the Galaxy thing is out, and he's like, the swimmers. I'm like, God, fucking damn it! It's like what? I'm like, hey, let's watch. Put it on. Let's put it on. Yeah, Jake, what did you think about the swimmers? I loved it. I mean, I only, I only had to watch it one time. 
<laughs> so that may that may cloud my judgment. <laughs> it was a tougher word for me. Um, I didn't know anything about the actual like real life story. So man, I'm on the edge of my seat. This whole thing, like I don't know if this is going to be a good ending. I don't know if it's going to be a bad ending. That entire boat ride scene was one of the most terrifying oh things I've seen God. this year. Um, you know, the bomb in the pool scene, I, I felt the same emotions. I thought the way they depicted the two sisters was really cool. I really loved just the dynamic between their family and their dad and what their dad felt about their prospects of swimming. Um, I mean, obviously I'm nowhere near an Olympic swimmer, but I can relate with that kind of like this parent feels this way about you and this, this parent feels that way about you type of dynamic. And I found that really relatable. Um, yeah, I thought this was great. I, I, the ending was really, really good. Um, I thought the acting was, was top notch and, um, yeah, like I said, I only had to watch it once. I mean, if I watched it four (laughs) times in two days, I'd probably have a different story, but, um, this was great. And I I would watch it again. Maybe give it a couple months. (laughs) Yeah, this is, this is a Tupperware. The the swimmers is fantastic. I, I absolutely love this. Like what? what these two sisters had to go through um just just an incredible story like they're in you know syria and bombs are going off people are dying they're you know we hear about one of their good friends who they'd just seen has has died and so they need they they want to get out and uh make their way over to germany and um you know they um just all the things, all the money, and all the all the things that they had to to spend to get there, and, and some of these people are, are are promising them, you know, entry into this country, and then just drop them off, and they're like, you know, fuck you, get out, and there's nothing they can do at that point, and you know, and they're worried about being, you know, taken in by the police, they're 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 worried about be, being threatened by other people. There's 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 danger at every turn and uh, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to make it to Europe alive. It is that boat ride, Jake, like you said, man, that's like white knuckle, like, wow. Oh my God. It was, it was intense. So uh, it's, it's an absolute, anything could have happened. I I had no idea during that scene how that was going to turn out. Yeah. It's a great movie. I, I highly recommend this one. It's called the swimmers. It's on Netflix. And uh, the two actors that played uh, uh, the two the the two leads in this were were just fantastic. And then by the time you get to the Olympics, man, um, I don't know, man, such a feel good, wonderful fucking story. So I loved the relationship between Sven, the German trainer, yeah. and Yersra uh, uh, so much. That was such a healthy relationship. I, I adored the two of them. Yeah, it was fantastic. Paul, let's talk about Strange World uh, that dropped in theaters. Uh, I got to see this today. I saw it in uh, 3D. It's the new uh, Disney animated feature about the Clades, a legendary family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and most crucial mission into uncharted and treacherous territory. It's the 61st animated film by the studio, and it stars uh, the voices of Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Dennis Quaid, um, Gabrielle Union, Lucy Liu. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a super imaginative world that they live in. There's, uh, what is it, Paul? Like 
the the father is like the explorer played by Dennis Quaid, and they're they're looking for uh, they're look basically to, oh sorry no go ahead please they're like they live like in a different type of place that we're accustomed to that Dennis Quaid's character wants to get over this mountain range to see what's beyond it. You know, like, like he feels like there's more to this world than has to offer. And like, it's almost like a comic book urban, like a, like, like a mythological type thing where it's like, Oh, him and his young son are exploring all these new horizons. And, you know, we start off with like this voyage to go over the mountains where the sun finds something that can change the shape of their country forever. And that's where kind of the movie starts off from. Yeah, he finds this plant that has like this uh, these like almost like green berries that grow off of it that uh, give off like this electrical charge. And they figure out a way that they can use that to power their community and they're using it to power their vehicles and um it's a it's an energy source that they've been using for years anyway the father while they're exploring um you know they come across that plant and the son's like hey this is this is the discovery here it's not like what's past those mountains like this is the discovery you know so let's take this back and the father's like no i'm not i'm I'm not going back. I want to keep going. I want to keep exploring. I want to find out what's over those mountains. And so he ends up missing for like 25 years and, um, uh, you know, kind of like destiny brings father and son back together again on a new adventure and more exploration. And, um, I, I, this is one of those like we we talk a lot about like movies that have like you know like oh I love the first two acts and then the third act it all fell apart. And this was the opposite for me. Like I was not blown away by the first two acts of this movie, but I loved the last act of the film. I thought like the way it wrapped was fantastic. I was actually bored with <laughs> the comedy and <laughs> the first two acts just bored me to tears. Honestly, I didn't care for any of the characters. And then like something happens in the third act where I was like, now I'm in for some fucking reason. I'm enjoying this movie. Now it was, I thought the way it all came together at the end was fantastic. So it's a, it's a, it's a middle of the road. Taste it for me uh, on strange world. I thought it looked pretty beautiful in 3d. Um, There's the shot, Paul, I'm not spoiling anything here, but there's the shot where, you know, two characters come across uh, an eyeball, and yes. that shot in 3D yes. was fucking incredible. Wow, it was awesome. But um, I think flat earthers are gonna love this movie. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what did you think about Strange World? Man, on paper, this should be a Tupperware. Like, I feel like it got like I feel like it got the recipe for amazing Disney movies, like awesome visuals check, like like especially to it, like in today's world, a very like diverse movie, like a blended family. Um, You know, there's like, 
you know, they're straying from the path of the regular romantic interest. Like, check. Man, I'm giving this, like, a low taste at this. Like, I, I do agree that the ending was cool, but this movie just... Something was missing from this Disney recipe that it was so fucking boring. Like, I literally looked over to my kids halfway through, and they were both fucking sleeping in the theater. Like, what is happening? Like, I know you're my kids, but damn, like... Like, it's got cool visuals, and I feel like, you know, Disney usually nails, like, the non-human, usually animal sidekick pretty good. Didn't care for this one. I don't know. Like, I just, like, like I feel like this could have been this generation's treasure planet, and they just, I can't put my finger on it. Something just seems missing from the usual Disney formula of what makes these movies so personal and heartfelt like i don't know what to blame i just i was bored until you know like yeah the reveal of where they are is kind of cool but i was just like man this could have happened like in the first act i feel like i would have been more involved more invested I was just like, all right, let's get this over with. Like, I want to get them home to nap. Yeah. Like, I just <laughs> what a what, like what a bummer of like a mo- like just it just felt like a big letdown. Like it just, ugh, I don't know. Like, like the visuals were cool. 3D was super cool. They had they had such a cool concept, and somehow they just completely dropped the ball. I, I again, I don't, I can't like explicitly name where it happened, but like, I don't know if it was too forced or if it wasn't done well enough. I don't know. I just, I just came out of this like, man, I don't think I like this Disney movie. And I hated saying that. Yeah. I don't feel bad. Like I was completely, I was bored to tears during the first two acts. Like the only thing that I was kind of like, wow, impressed by was the fact that Disney actually had like a prominent gay character in it. Yes. Yes. And you know, but see, that's yeah. not enough. See, here's the thing. I, I like that they're doing that. I think that's cool. But it's like it's like that right there in itself is not enough to make it a great movie, right? You gotta like you not you gotta make you gotta do. Th- I like that they're doing that. One hundred percent. I like that they're doing that. But you also got to put a great movie around it, right? You know, and I don't feel like that they one hundred percent did that. So yeah, it almost felt like hey, let's let's really hit on like a same sex relationship and build stuff around it without focusing on the relationship. Cause I would have loved to actually seen the romantic interest be part of the movie, like with them, you know, I don't know. Like I just, yeah, no, I mean, they are making like, they did more than I thought they, when they, when they did the reveal, they did more with it than I thought that they would do. I, I felt like it, I feel like what Disney's done in the past is like they'll they'll like have it up and then barely do anything. Well, yeah, you'll hear about it in the news like and then at the end of the movie, like you'll see like two same sex characters like hug each other. Right. Or white year. It was like a cheek pack. Yeah, exactly. So much fuss made about it. Um, Endgame was another movie where they made a lot of fuss about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I agree. I felt like with this, they're getting better. But yeah, Paul, you're you're right. Like have you know have it be present throughout the entire movie as opposed to like bookending book it, ends, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I I just man, I I hate low tasting this, but it's just it was just nah, you're boring. Being, you're being honest. It's a, it's an honest fucking rating, and that's what we're here to do. So Treasure Planet wasn't loved when it first came out. That's true, but man, you're, I, I mean, you're you're very you're very hindsight is twenty twenty acting like we all adored Treasure Planet when it came out. That it was very much a slow burn. That okay. movie becoming as popular and beloved as it is now. But I really don't see it happening with this movie. I can, I can see that too. I mean, I didn't see the movie, but I just wanted to make that. I didn't think that comparison was a hundred percent fair. Listen, here's the thing: you got to understand that there are young kids watching this now and it's going to hit some of them like some of them are just going to be obsessed with this fucking movie and then we're going to hear a lot of maybe you know a louder voice on the internet you know 10 15 years down the road that saw this movie as a young as, as a young kid and that's who you're going to hear from i mean it happened with the star wars prequels you know? I feel like this is going to be a lot of kids' first 3D, too, because they don't yeah. push the 3D as much as they used to. And they're they're very much pushing the 3D for this. Yeah. I see it in the ads. I, a lot of critics are actually talking about the 3D aspect. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely going to help kids, too. Yeah. See, yeah. And like, like, and I mean, this was Emmett's first 3D movie. And like Brian, like that's why I'm at a low taste because I feel like if anyone on this earth would have thought this was the greatest movie, would have been my son, and he was just like, "Eh, can we go home and watch something else?" Like, yeah, like, swimmers. No, that was Hayes. Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus Christ! But no, like he just like usually. Oh my God, when we saw Sonic Two, that was the only thing we talked about for like a month. Yeah. And I couldn't even get it. I'm like, what was your favorite part of this movie? And he was like, oh, when we had like uh, this trailer, I'm like, what? Like that wasn't even part of the movie. Oh, did you get to see the Mario trailer in 3D? We did. Yep. That's what it was. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Which I, looks fantastic. I waited. I held out on watching the trailer because I wanted to see it. You know, I wasn't I wasn't itching to see it on my TV or like on my phone. So I was like, I'll just wait to see this theatrically. And I saw it theatrically a couple weeks ago before a movie. And then I got to see it today in 3d. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the way I want to see this movie. If they drop it in 3d, that's how I want to see the Mario movie. Yeah. Oh, you know, it was the Mario movie and that new Pixar movie elemental that he kept talking about. That Elemental trailer did nothing for me. No, but he was like, Dad, like, did you see that fire girl? Like, she's cute. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, my God. No. But, like, when we I, I think that- Pixar. I think Pixar's out of ideas. I just <laughs> think they're out of ideas. Now we're doing an Elemental movie. You got wind, water, earth, fire characters on a... On a subway train? Come on. Get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> What'd you think of uh, Chris Pratt's Mario voice? It's fine. Yeah. He says like four words. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I, you know, I, I, I here we come. But I, I don't here want, you know, I don't want to hear some guy, you know, the, it's a me, a Mario, the whole of the movie. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I said oh. the very same thing on yeah. this podcast. I know that you That would did. be insane. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched the trailer at that point. At that point. But yeah, no, to, I'm here for Jack Black's Bowser. That's I'm that's here for Charlie cool. Day's Luigi. Oh, I can't wait for that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll come back with the pop culture leftovers news. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit. That freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, welcome. <clears throat> wow. Maybe I should have. <laughs> maybe I should have cleared my break. Should have been 15 seconds longer. Jesus Christ, man. Clear <laughs> your throat. Hit puberty. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. It's time to change. We've got to. That was a pretty bunch reference that nobody got. <laughs> I hated the Brady Bunch as a kid. It was like torture when anyone made me watch it. Oh, I loved it. I didn't appreciate it until the until the tongue in cheek movie. Oh God, I loved Brady Bunch. Like I didn't like it when I was a little little kid, but like once I got older, I was like, I loved it. Yeah, I appreciate it now, but like from one to like nineteen, I I think I hated it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Still, I just didn't like the Oliver years. That's it. Everything else, I reserved. And I did the. Now that I've gotten older, I hate the Hawaii trip. Now that I've gotten older, it's one of the dumbest. It's like a two, three part fucking one, where they they were cursed by the the idol on in, in Hawaii. Oh yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, that's crazy. That <laughs> kind of created its own like sitcom trope right there. Uh, Greg trying to surf and. The idol, he get he gets hurt. Everybody's getting hurt by the idol. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> anyway. Seems like such a weird show to add such fantastical elements to. Yeah, yeah. They're truly out of ideas when they came to writing that. Yeah, yeah. You think Sam the Butcher and Alice were fucking? A hundo. He's like, I got a meat delivery for you today, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 100%, right, Paul? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I never uh, really watched it. It was ahead of my time. You didn't watch You didn't watch Brady Bunch? Not really, no. Not until the movie. I only really saw the movie. I don't think I've seen a full episode. God, I used to watch it all the time. I used to watch Brady Bunch all the time. Anyway, let's uh, jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a little of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. 
Yeah, they're saying uh, Avatar sequel needs to make two billion dollars. <laughs> I read that it has. To, it's like it has to be like the at least the fourth highest grossing movie or better to turn a profit is what they're saying. Yeah, the upcoming sequel. This comes from Dark Horizons. Uh, the upcoming sequels represents uh, a massive investment on the part of 20th Century Studios and Cameron. In a new interview with GQ, isn't softening the news in regards to how much the film has to earn. Asked about the budget, he called it very fucking expensive. So much so that he, <laughs> that's what he said. So much so that he informed the studio that the film represented the worst business case in movie history. Not only that, in order to be profitable, it has to be the third or fourth highest grossing film in history. That's your threshold. That's your break even. Oh my god! In, oh my god! Disney fire this guy. In the post pandemic, it's gonna make its money. It'll make its money. In the post-pandemic era, any film... What, all this fucking Cameron hate from you this episode. <laughs> it's about time. Jake likes hey, Kirk... Regular Ed Harris over here. Jake likes Kirk Cameron more than James. Oh, I, he's oh. got some pretty quality Christmas movies, I've heard. Yeah, he's like... In this household, we don't don ourselves in gay apparel. Is what? Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's his sister. <laughs> oh yeah, that's been in the news a lot this week. Sorry, I forgot sorry. about that. Oh, I didn't know about that. Oh yeah. What's Candace? Oh, Candace, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a fan of uh, same-sex Christmas movies. Oh, Jesus! You got Stephanie Tanner to tell her to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what, what does Kimmy Gibbler think of all this? That's yeah, what that, I want to know. Let's get to the heart of the matter. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let, let's hear it from Kimmy Gibbler. You know Gibbler's down for whatever. Gibbler. Oh God. Yeah. They they call her the Gobbler. She don't give a fuck. <laughs> but it's okay. Dave Kuei came in and told them to cut it out, and they did. <laughs> oh God. So sorry. <laughs> Cut it out. Get Cut the it out. out. Oh my god. Oh, I got so sick of his like uh little beaver character that he did. Oh Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Wood? Is it made of wood? <laughs> oh god. shut the fuck up. I, I think I repressed that memory until you made that impression. Now. <laughs> that beaver because he was Ranger Rick, like Wally or something. I don't know. Could it be made of wood? <laughs> <laughs> you do that too good. I don't like it. His head would like look all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fucking dumb. <laughs> it was that or Bullwinkle. There was a shit ton of Bullwinkle. I remember too. <laughs> Oh, yeah. A lot of Bullwinkle. Because, you know, kids were loving Bullwinkle then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bullwinkle was already out of date when Full House was airing. No <laughs> it was Mr. Woodchuck. Oh, God. Did you Google that? I did. I asked uh, what was the What was the exact Google search like that you typed in? Uh, full House Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you got lucky. You got lucky. You could you could have saw Stephanie doing porn. <laughs> well, now with Emmett's revelation, I had to put on Safe Search. <laughs> uh, safe Search saved the day right there. <laughs> saved the day, man. Or not. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking of wood. Oh, my God. <laughs> wood? 
ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, Avatar needs to make a fuck ton of money. Is it going to hit two billion? No. No. I think it'll be lucky if it hits one. Oh, get the fuck out! <laughs> it'll hit one billion. It'll hit one billion. I think it'll hit. I think it'll hit one point five, maybe even more. I mean, it's coming out at a good time. It's coming out right around like when all schools and stuff go on break. I say it oh, makes. God. I say. I say. It, I say it makes over one point five. If I'm wrong, I'll eat crow. But I think it'll make over one point five. I don't think yeah. it tops. Like I don't think it taps the top uh, like six box office. I'll bet twenty dollars it won't make one point five. Fair enough. Twenty bucks. All right. Good deal. No re-release bullshit either. Like eight years from now, you can't be like, "Oh, you owe me twenty bucks." No, <laughs> by by the end of its run, well, it's got to make one point five and a dollar. Sounds good. All right. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it's gonna make a fuck ton of money. What's the next story? Oh yeah, news from Dark Horizons: de-aged Ford in fifth Indiana Jones opening. More details are emerging. I want to do this whole story in that fucking woodchuck voice. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. Shut, shut the fuck up, Tom. <laughs> do it. More details are emerging about the fifth Indiana <laughs> Jones film. <laughs> Ahead of an expected trailer drop within the next few weeks. Could it be... <laughs> 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 Did you just call Harrison Ford's acting wooden there, Brian? What the fuck? It's very wooden. It's cracking me up how much Harrison Ford is like going around saying like this time it's going to be good. It's like he's being paid to say this at this point. Like I, I don't know how much I trust Harrison Ford and his judgment of VFX. Uh, as part of the as part of the Empire magazine cover story this month, the outlet spoke with director James Mangold, who discussed the new film's opening sequence, saying he used the opportunity to do something quite special. Uh, it has big shoes to fill, considering the previous four had some iconic screen moments, ranging from the Shanghai Poison and Diamonds Fight in Temple of Doom to a young indie. On one of his early adventures in The Last Crusade, Mangle says, I wanted the chance to dive into this kind of full-on George and Stephen old, uh, old picture and give the audience an adrenaline blast. The result is a set piece that jumps back 25 years earlier in the main narrative from 1969 to 1944, around six years after The Last Crusade. The opening scene also involves a castle swarming with Nazis and Ford made young again by de-aging technology. Uh, new ILM software used a ton of archived material of the younger Ford and matched it to freshly shot footage and melded the two to result in a high-quality digital young Ford. Uh, pr- producer Kathleen Kennedy adds, we're dropping you into an adventure, something Indy is looking for, and instant- instantly you have that feeling. Uh, I'm in an Indiana Jones movie. Uh, Ford said that he's impressed by the de-aging tech. Quote, this is the first time I've seen it where I believe it. It's a little spooky. I don't think I even want to know how it works, but it works. Doesn't make me want to be young, though. I'm glad to have earned my age. And so, yeah. Uh, we'll see, man. Um, 
<laughs> he sounds so old in those clothes. How's this damn toaster work? <laughs> yeah, he sounds like, he he sounds like uh, the. Insane- I know it toast my bread, but how the fuck? Yeah, he he's basically he sounds like the insane clown posse in that one song. <laughs> yeah, he does the magnet song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking got himself D.H. Harrison Ford for the opening of Indiana Jones 5 Harrison Ford thinks it's like witchcraft or something yeah. <laughs> god damn Elizabeth Brocker yeah. after the movie I had to get a young priest and an old priest just to make myself better yeah he's like the, 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 the witches at ILM needed Eye of Newt and uh, the hair of a young virgin in order to make these special effects possible. He had Kathleen Kennedy burned at the stake. Right. <laughs> We're going to get this trailer by Avatar, right? Mm, this comes out in May. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Because didn't Mangold put like a countdown out for the trailer? I didn't know that. I didn't or he know said that. like it's coming out like in thirty days or something. I don't know. You'd have to Google that. What? Why are you put you putting out fake news again there, Paul? <laughs> fake, fake news heart. <laughs> yeah, fake news heart. <laughs> James Mangold's Indiana Jones trailer <laughs> countdown. Would I do that? Sorry. Sorry. Oh. Would I do that? <laughs> Would I? Do that? <laughs> Would? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, more news about. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? It's a beaver thing. I... <laughs> it's, it's the stupidest fucking thing. <laughs> I agree. What do you You combined Urkel's catchphrase with the beaver's catchphrase, <laughs> and it, it broke my brain a bit there. Did I do that? <laughs> brother mm. Boy, okay brother. on November 13th he said less than 30 days for the trailer okay alright Paul you're in the clear <laughs> <laughs> there's no countdown though I mean he exaggerated the news it's classic, classic yeah. news yeah. <laughs> you act like there's like a website that we go to and there's like we're, we're looking at like a, a fucking clock counting down yeah, that's the way it felt when he was telling us. I never us. clicked on the link before. I was like, how did I miss a countdown? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that shit's going to be before Avatar. That'll be when we first see it in the theater. I'd be willing to put money on it. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's they're they're going to I think they're going to want to put out a trailer definitely around the, uh, around Christmas time. Right. To get people excited. Yeah. And yep, look, at, a lot of people are going to be there. So, you know, that Mario trailer came out about a month ago and that movie hits April. And so, you know, yeah, it makes sense. Especially before Avatar. A lot of people, you know, same studio. So same owners, same. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what made me put the two together. Yeah. Uh, they had some more, I guess, some more uh, information about Phoebe Waller Bridges character in Indy Five. We 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 knew last week we talked about her being the uh, goddaughter of uh, Indy. Um, the film takes place in 1969. Talking about the character, James Mangold calls her slippery, charming, the girl next door, a grifter. Uh, 
Harrison Ford calls her a pioneer in ethical accounting. And uh, let's see here. What else do they have to say? Oh, yeah. Um, the Killing Eve creator and No Time to Die script polisher Mangold uh, gave her a specific reference point to play her character. Barbara Stanwyck's performance in the 1941 screwball comedy The Lady Eve, talking about her casting, Waller-Bridge says... Kathy was in London and asked to have dinner with me and casually mentioned this role. I immediately ordered 10 bottles of wine. <laughs> then it was the fastest I've ever read a script. I came out sort of a haze afterwards. I just couldn't believe how much fun I had and how moved I was by it. And then I had a Zoom and screamed yes at them all. So, this sounds very much like a Paul Hart-esque exaggeration story here. <laughs> What? In order 10 <laughs> bottles of wine. Oh, I mean, I was in such a haze. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> 10 bottles of wine. No, 0% of this happened. What the fuck? Quit trying to be funny in interviews. Harrison Ford interacting with people? Come on. <laughs> I believe it all. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that Harrison Ford me- meme, it's true, all of it. <laughs> all of it. <clears throat> all right. Oh, boy. I don't think they'll even let you have 10 bottles of wine at the restaurant. They cut you off at a point. Oh, my God. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can we just can we take away that she was excited? <laughs> Jake is just trying, just trying to. Find- I would believe her if she said that. It's it, it makes it insincere when when she has to fabricate this entire story. I know she's 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 a fun gal. <laughs> yeah, ten bottles of wine. Ten man. bottles of wine, man. No, it's yeah, a fun. She wouldn't do that. They would have. They would have been like, maybe she's not the one for the job. She just drank ten bottles of fucking wine right at this restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> she just gets cut during post. I think, I think with the rumors swirling about Kathleen Kennedy, she needs to drink about nine of them. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I everybody's saying she's going to get fired at Lucasfilm. I don't see it happening. I think she'll walk away before she gets fired, or they'll just try to spin it. You know, like she walked away on her own accord. So I don't know what's going on. People hate her, so it's an easy news story for people to speculate about. Yeah, yeah. You excited about Iger coming back? I know I am. Jesus. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Jump into jump into Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, let's see here. We. <laughs> You know what I did when I found out Iger came back? I wish I could. I wish the Marvel news would have ended with Marvel news. <laughs> Marvel. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, when I found out Iger came back, I, I drank ten bottles of wine, <laughs> and I woke up in a haze the next day. I wasn't even sure it was true. I believe you. <laughs> Is that so hard? All right. <laughs> Uh, rumor the Thunderbolts 
Uh, this comes from Daniel RPK. The Thunderbolts will surely have a lot on their plate as the adversary in their film is going to be Robert Reynolds, a.k.a. The Sentry. Yeah, I read this. I, I've seen this rumor. I, I kind of hope it's not true. Um, I think that's an underrated character that has a lot of depth that would be interesting to explore with this whole relationship with the the dark part of himself, the void. Uh, it's a character created by Bendis in the in the New Avengers run, I believe. Or no, he didn't create him, but he he really like took the ball and ran with it. And uh, I don't know. I would. I don't want to see the Sentry end up being another Gore the God Butcher. Yeah, who's directing this one? Uh, I'm completely brain farting on who's directing Thunderbolts. Oh, do you know who directed that fucking uh, Chippendales? It was Matt Shackman. Yes, I saw that. Mm-hmm. I saw that uh, Kumail and Emily, his wife, were the exec producers, too. Yeah, Matt Shackman, who's going to be directing <clears throat> the um, the Fantastic Four movie, and uh, he did WandaVision, so yeah, he's doing that Chippendales. Um, who's who's directing Thunderbolts? Did we look that up? Oh no, I was busy talking about other shit. Paul, what fake news director can you give us? <laughs> uh, Quentin Tarantino. Director? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Jake Schreier is going to be directing it, looks like. Fuck you for the fake. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you're throwing out all this bullshit. I thought maybe you could just give what us a bullshit. This bullshit director. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Mr. Woodchuck's fucking directing it, okay? No more Woodchuck jokes. We're done. The Woodchuck jokes, we're done. I'm right, throwing, I'm over, throwing the Woodchuck in the wood chipper. Throwing the woodchuck in the wood chipper. We're done. <laughs> done with the woodchuck jokes. Um, this guy hasn't done a ton. He directed Robot and Frank and episodes of Jim Carrey's Kidding. Oh, oh I, I've i seen Robot and Frank. It's okay. And Kidding was fantastic. Kidding was awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it could be Sentry, Jake. Um, I, I think if they... I, lo- I love the character. Yeah. I just... I feel like it deserves more. That's already a packed house movie with it being a hero team. That It, it scares me that that's where we're going to introduce Sentry. And I saw I saw rumors that they're looking at Ryan Gosling or Alexander Skarsgård for, for the Sentry character. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if I can believe you, fake news. It's from Comic Book Resources. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll fucking cite my sources from now on. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Yeah, because footnotes. Because basically, your source, your source earlier is your hazy wine-induced memory. <laughs> you and Phoebe Waller Bridge. I would love to have ten bottles of wine with Phoebe Waller Bridge. Thank you very much. Good luck getting any. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. It's a pipe dream. I, if, you know, if I saw her after ten bottles of wine, I would sing "Waller Bridge is falling down, <laughs> falling down," <laughs> and you would have a fun night by yourself. Mm, probably. <laughs> Rolling Stone interviewed Robert Cole, the co-writer of Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and he does get into some questions we had before the movie came out, specifically about other names being thrown around. 
who could become the Black Panther after Chadwick's death. Here's what was asked and answered by Cole. As uh, this is, this comes from the uh, Rolling Stone article. Uh, as you said, you had to discuss who the next Black Panther would be. And of course, Shuri's comic book counterpart does become Black Panther. So there was a huge push in that direction. But M'Baku would have been an amazing Black Panther. That would have been fascinating. Tell me about the back and forth on that and whether there were other candidates, perhaps. Cole says, uh, we would kick around the ideas and try to uh, extrapolate where the story goes and what's the most impactful choice, what's the best journey, and where do you go after the film in terms of those characters? M'Baku certainly was someone that got kicked around a little bit. I think you're correct in the comics. Shuri is Black Panther, and there's a natural organicness, I guess is the best way to say it to her becoming Panther, but you kick the tires on all sorts of ideas and you just want to make the best decision and do what's best for the story. Um, Rolling Stone said Nakia Lupita Nyong'o could have been great too. Uh, Cole said that got kicked around. Her name got kicked around for sure. So yeah, they, you know, we'd talked in the past that, you know, like who are they? We'd heard like rumors that M'Baku was going to end up as the black Panther that was like the, I think that was like one of the prominent rumors that were out there that it was going to end with M'Baku as the Black Panther, and um, you know I I I wanted Nakia, but it looks like they were thinking about it, man. Like that, it wasn't off the table, so they were definitely thinking about it. So it's a great yeah. article. It's a great article from Rolling Stone. They they talk about you know the mid credit scene and and some of the other things. I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but they if you I would definitely check out the article. It's interesting. Yeah, I'd like to read that. You said it was Rolling Stone. Yeah, it's Rolling Stone. Okay. Yep. Papa was a Rolling Stone, Jake. It's <laughs> <laughs> what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> last, last week we talked about Hemsworth retiring from acting. Uh, we talked uh, about a quote he had that was a slight jab that some thought uh, that, that he was taking at Taika with TD. And I, I kept asking the question, what if Hemsworth saw like a different direction for the character and maybe wanted more control of the character in the future? And I thought it was I thought it was a valid thought because you see a lot of um, you know sports figures and actors that once they hit like a certain status they can use that power to persuade management into listening to like their you know their suggestions and sometimes demands. And even though he was talking about retiring, I felt like there was something else under the surface here. And I saw there was an article from Epic Stream where Chris Hemsworth uh, was doing an interview with um, Josh Horowitz. And the title was Chris Hemsworth is moving away from Taika Waititi's version of Thor. And it says Hemsworth addressed his future in the MCU, where he expressed his desire to move away from Taika Waititi's version of his iconic character as he wants to do another take on the character that is not too familiar and repetitive from the previous films. Quote, you look at Thor 1 and 2, they were quite similar. Ragnarok and Love and Thunder are similar. I think it's the reinventing it. I've had such a unique opportunity with Infinity War and Endgame to do very drastic things with the character. I enjoy that. I like keeping people on their toes. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me invested. I've said this before, but when it, comes, when it becomes too familiar, I think there's a risk in getting lazy 
than because I know what I'm doing, so I don't know. Uh, however, the actor also pointed out that he still has not yet been invited to return to the role, and he is hoping that his potential next MCU appearance will be the one where they'll get to explore a new take on the character. He continued, again, I don't know if I'm invited back, but if I was, I think it would have to be drastically different version and tone. Everything, just for my own sanity. Thor lost his mind that last one. He's got to figure it out now. So, I think I think I was asking the right question. I mean, I personally think that I don't think he's done with acting. I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked if he's done with acting. And I'll be shocked if he's done with Thor. And I think that this was not, I'm not saying it's a cry for help, but I am saying that I think it's kind of his subtle way of wanting a change. And maybe, I'm sure he loves Taika, but I think that he wants to see the character move in a different direction. And I think he's calling for a new director. Yeah, Paul told me that they're looking at Robert Eggers for the for the job. I did. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I think. I think that's the type of thing they want to do. I, I think if if they really want a one eighty from the Taika Waititi direction, that they they want to kind of make it a bit more, you know, a bit more serious, a bit more grounded in its mythology. Um, I feel like they're going to react to the reaction of Thor: Love and Thunder the next time we see a Thor solo movie. I think he said who he wants the directors to be. I think he wants the Russo brothers specifically saying Infinity War and Endgame. Like, I mean, he was the best. Like, his storyline in Infinity War was one of the best with making Stormbreaker. Like, I would I would love, like, I don't know if it will ever happen, but I would love to see the Russo brothers take on the next Thor movie. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. I feel like even they made it a bit too comedic, especially by Endgame. At the beginning, I mean, like once, once, I mean, once we saw those three characters in that final scene together, it was, it was game on. Um, I, you know, I don't think we're going to get the Russos. So I, I just think like new blood taking over the character would get Hemsworth excited about playing Thor again. I think he just feels like, I think he's grateful for Taika for what he did with Ragnarok. And I think that he saw a lot of like what we saw a lot of what, like my thing was like, I think Taika's a one trick pony when it came to it. Like he, he just did the same thing again in the second uh-huh. one. And I think that, I think that Chris Hemsworth just wants like a, you know, like a, a, a fresh voice, a new direction for the character. And if he's going to come back, this is just his subtle way of saying, hey, let's maybe look at a different director here. And if Marvel wants to continue working with Taika, maybe they give him something different. Or he can just move on completely for all I care. Yeah, I agree. We, we've done that. We don't need a third one of those. And I, and I like those movies. I loved Ragnarok, but man. Mm, I... I really wanted a different movie for Love and Thunder. Sadly, we didn't get it. Uh, oh, um, news from Screen Rat. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever producer Nate Moore says that Namor 
cannot get a solo MCU movie as they are borrowing, borrowing the character from Universal. So, yeah, that, I mean, that it's it's it, it is a rights issue. So he can show up in the ensemble films, but they just can't do a standalone. Um, Universal Pictures still owns that character, apparently. Uh, I, when do fucking rights lapse? Yeah, no kidding. I don't understand all these deals, man. No, I I never had. It, it, Stan Lee made it so hard to keep track of once he did what he had to do to uh, stop the Chapter 13 with Marvel. It's just bizarre that Fox had to continue to make Fantastic Four movies and Daredevil movies in order to retain the characters. And... Universal's never made a fucking Namor movie. So, like, what, like, makes you, it just makes you wonder. Same thing with Hulk. Yeah, they have, like, yeah, like, it's all the, every deal is, like, completely fucking different. Just like you said, it's like they had to keep making these Fantastic Four movies, but they've done jack shit with Namor. And and same with Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least they tried once with Hulk in my lifetime. Yeah. I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't get it. Um, let's jump into uh, jump into DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina, and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson uh, was in a video on Twitter, and he talked about his struggle to get uh, Henry Cavill back as Superman. And I wanted to actually, I'll just play the fucking audio. I haven't listened to it yet. I read some of the quotes, but I haven't listened to the full thing yet. Apparently, it's not one to fucking play. Here we go. Come on. Have a productive week. And most importantly, have a great Thanksgiving. All right, guys. Love you. Thank you again. Go Black Adam. What the fuck? Start over. (laughs) Is that it? Where's he going? Straight to Happy Wednesday. Here we go. Also known as Hump Day. Also known as... Wednesday's getting its ass kicked, and Thursday is next in line. Uh, That's the plan, anyway, (laughs) until we get beat up a little bit. Um, A quick check-in. I'm swooping in to say thank you. Uh, Great news to report on the Black Adam front. The Black Adam train continues to roll along. Uh, Black Adam, you guys have made Black Adam number one again, um, now on digital. Uh, Black Adam is the number one movie on iTunes. We released Black Adam yesterday. We thought it was a strategic release to go on all digital platforms as we're still out in the theaters, uh, as we go into the Thanksgiving holidays and, of course, the Christmas holidays, Hanukkah holidays, um, so you guys can enjoy Black Adam still in theaters and certainly enjoy The Man in Black at home. So thank you for uh, making Black Adam number one again uh, on iTunes uh, with a bullet, by the way. So thank you, guys. The hierarchy of power in the DC universe has changed. Um, As you guys have heard me say that, um, at box office here domestically, we're doing really good, really strong Jesus Christ, get to the fucking cavalry. shit. We got a lot of room for growth. Um, Maybe I should have listened to this before. Of course, you want to see the international box office numbers. 
be higher, be stronger. Of course you do. Um, because you're never satisfied. However, uh, we got a lot of great growth. We established Black Adam um, around the world. You know, and something to think about contextually when it comes to Black Adam. Um, and when you look at our numbers, as I think we'll probably land somewhere around, I don't know, maybe 375 million worldwide, maybe a little bit more. We might kiss $400 million. We'll see. Uh, we still have Japan to open up and we'll play through the holidays. So uh, we'll see. But in any event, you know, at the end of the day, our business, when it comes to like business acumen, boring business acumen stuff, our margins don't live and Agreed. die by box office numbers. <laughs> it has long, uh, um, Paul, if there was ever a moment uh, to fall asleep on the podcast, it might be now. To, uh, I'm wide awake, baby. We will do just in terms of our numbers. But the bottom line is this. When I talk about, um, when I talk about, hold on one second. <laughs> Jesus, too long, didn't read. Hi, good morning, hello, amen. Thank you very much. Uh, when I talk about the he just ran over a pedestrian. <laughs> a few ways. Number one, we established Black Adam around the world as the most powerful and dominant, unstoppable force in the DC universe. That is a fact. Um, and we established the Justice Society around the world too. And keep in mind. No one, if, if you were not a hardcore comic book fan, no one heard of Black Adam or the Justice Society. The hardcore, hardcore comic book fans, we got the love, we got your love, we got your loyalty, and I appreciate that to the bone. But the rest of the world had no idea who Black Adam was, so we're establishing the brand. Um, and something else that we're establishing is, you know, I felt like if we're going to, so two things, if we're going to establish Black Adam as the most powerful unstoppable force in the DC universe we have to bring back the most powerful unstoppable force of all time in any universe and you guys know who I'm talking about of course that is Superman and that's Henry Cavill um, and you know at the end of the day the studio was not bringing Henry Cavill back they, in, inexplicably and uh, inexcusably, but we weren't going to take no for an answer. Uh, myself, uh, my seven bucks co-founder and chairwoman, Danny Garcia, Hiram Garcia, our seven bucks president. Uh, this has been years in the making regarding bringing Henry Cavill back, um, and years of strategic conversations. And we were not going to take no for an answer. And at the, at, and also something else to think about is for us, there was no way, there's no viable, logical way that you can attempt to build out the DC universe without the most powerful force and the greatest superhero of all time sitting on the hot sidelines. It's impossible to do. Um, you know, you can Venn diagram business-wise this whole thing 90 different times, but it all comes back to where's Superman? You have to have Superman in the mix. So that's why we fought hard to bring Superman back, Henry Cavill. And there was no other Superman, by the way, to bring back. Henry Cavill is our generation Superman. And in my opinion, the greatest Superman. And I mean that respectfully to the other actors, especially Christopher Reeve, but uh, the greatest Superman of all time. So again, bringing Henry back. Now we build out the DC universe properly, strategically, smartly. Uh, again, the hierarchy of power in the DC universe has changed. Um, and of course, now we have new leadership at DC and at Warner Brothers. Um, 
again, hierarchy of power in the DC universe uh, has changed. So it's a new era in the DC universe. Thank you guys so much for the Black Adam love. You made Black Adam number one. All right, that's all I'll play. Dear God, he was getting ready to go on and on about numbers again at the end. I know. I felt like we were at an, on an investor's call at the beginning there. Um, no, it, it, it is, and that's a that's a that's a it is a huge feat that he had to overcome to get Cavill back. I, I, you know, I understand him saying that Cavill's the best Superman is a little bit premature, mm, in my yeah. opinion. You know. And I think it all has to come down to him and Cavill having the same agent and probably being good friends. And, you know, that's great and all. But um, I do agree 100% with him that how do you go forward with this universe without a Superman? That, That I never understood that whole plan because they were like out with Superman. We're bringing in Supergirl and Superman's out of the equation. And I felt like there was still a lot that they could do with Cavill Superman if they're going in this new direction. I just can't see Superman not being a part of this. I'm glad that The Rock did push for that. And I'm happy to see that fucking Saffron and James Gunn are a big part of this now. I've, I mean, the sky's the limit, hopefully, with this now. Yeah, do you think The Rock has more or less control now that Saffron and Gunn are there? I think he has less now that Gunn's in there. Uh, I've already heard rumors of those two kind of butting heads over the future direction of Black Adam. Yeah, I could see it too. I bet if James Gunn was there before Black Adam came out, he might not have got that Cavill scene. I think that's the wrong move. <laughs> if Gun, if that's the way Gunn wanted to go, I think it's the wrong move. I I loved that ending. So, yeah, I, I just I don't know. To me, it's not ever truly a start over if you're keeping so much of what was there before. Like I'm just not gonna. It's all gonna seem like. And I I hated Black Adam, so yeah. that kind of molds my thoughts about the future as well. I'm reading an article here. Uh, James Gunn butting heads with Dwayne Johnson over DCEU direction. I don't want to read it from them, though. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't heard that yet, but I was kind of like, I was wondering about it. Yeah. Because I feel like the the head, the pre-gun era, they pretty much just thrown their hands up in the air. And they were like, if you're this passionate about it, what the fuck do we care? We fucked everything else up. You know, there there was no vision. Oh, no, no, clearly. Clearly it wasn't. They were just ready to just scrap everything. Let's have this Flash movie come out. We'll work with, you know, we'll do, we'll, you know, there's one time where, we're, oh, we're just going to make individual movies. And then next thing you know, they're trying to bring everything back in. They're trying to weave everything back into like one, like Marvel. Yeah. It makes me believe The Rock, too, because like we how long have we been talking about Black Adam? It feels like it's been six plus years. Yeah. And like that long ago, they didn't have doom and gloom in their eyes. Like, I I think they legit were eating their own farts and thought that they had this all conquered and that, you know, Justice League was going to just explode and yada, yada, yada. You know, 
Batman v Superman. And The Rock's been talking about this Black Adam forever. So you can see back then when he's saying, well, Black Adam has to meet up with Superman, how they'd be like, no, 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 no. We've got plans with that character. But, you know, flash forward to 2022 when he's trying to get it done. And you could see how they would just be like, eh, whatever at this point. There was a time when they were all on board with having, you know, Superman battle Black Adam. And then that kind of like went by the wayside because I had I had heard rumors that, you know, it was going to be um, Superman and Shazam against Black Adam at one time. So those rumors are out there. I remember there. hearing lots yeah. of Shazam Superman stuff for sure. But it wasn't until like the last two, three years that. It was with Black Adam, right? Uh, yeah, maybe three, four years, maybe. Yeah, I think you're. I think your time frame's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting, though. I believe the Rock. I believe that he's not blowing smoke out of his ass when he's talking about how hard he had to fight for that to happen, especially knowing how long he's been invested in the project. I'm pretty sure at one point it probably was a hard no. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it looks like Ben Affleck might be done as Batman. This comes from the direct Ben Affleck's Batman future is in doubt following a big announcement. It sounded like we might have him come back and just be the Batman, but he has, um, um, rumor has that, uh, Batman actor, Michael Keaton would actually take over as Warner brothers in universe caped crusader after the events of the flash. However, Affleck himself shook that up after he posed with Aquaman star, Jason Momoa revealing, it wasn't a fucking secret anymore that his Bruce Wayne would appear in next year's Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. That paired with speculation of the actor signing on for a Crisis on Infinite Earths movie has led some to wonder whether Affleck is really hanging up the cape and cow. Um, well, a new announcement from Affleck may pull put all that out, uh, put all of that into question, making it finally seem like he is done with Batman for good. A new announcement from Ben Affleck has possibly indicated that he is done. As shared by the New York Times, Affleck, along with his longtime writing partner and close friend Matt Damon, announced that they are starting their own production company, the independent production company named Artist Equity, would be a groundbreaking venture for Hollywood, one in which actors and off-camera staff share profits of the films they work on. The DCU star agreed to work exclusively with artist equity saying this is the next act of my career for a long, long time. Affleck said, I know what kind of freedoms artists long for and how they can be empowered, treated like grownups. The Hollywood veteran noted that he naively thought these studio guys sit behind desks all day while it is the artists who do all the work. And there's a part of me, I'll have to admit that was like, come on, these, these studio guys sit behind desks and make Phone calls, the artists are the ones who have to go off and actually make the movie and do all the work. But he's finding out that it is a lot of work running something like Artist Equity and has been humbled uh, a couple of times in the new position. However, he remarked that his only regret is not having the sense of self to try this earlier. So basically, he's saying, like, this is it. I'm me and Damon are starting artist equity. This is going to be the next act of my career for a long, long time. Where is that going to leave any room for him to be Batman? It kind of, he's basically saying in so many words, it doesn't. So it looks like 
whoever's going to be our Batman going forward, it's not going to be Affleck. And, and it's not written in stone that it's going to be Keaton now either. Hmm, that's interesting. I think that's for the better, though. Like, I, I take the same stance here. Like, I think we need a brand new Batman for the, you know, overall DC extended universe. So, are, are we still getting the Flash appearance? Mm. Uh, we should be getting Keaton in that one, right? Both Keaton and Affleck. We should. Yeah, and that'll be his swan song, then probably, and possibly Keaton's too, if they want to just abandon that at this point. Yeah, I think they. I think they might. Um, it's a goddamn shame that we're never going to get to see Keaton in that Batgirl uh, movie. You don't think we'll ever get to see that movie? You think it's impossible? Yeah, I do. Unless it gets leaked somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I I think anything's possible. There was a point where I thought we'd never see the Zack Snyder Justice League. Yeah, but... Uh, with this, they made it a tax write-off, and they can't make any profit from it. It's part of the deal. Hmm. So it would be basically practically illegal for them to show it to us at this point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a shame. It's one of the craziest stories that we've ever covered, honestly. You know, it's well, I mean, you find out that the, you know, the the directors and the writers and all the people that had access to the footage, like the next day they log into their computers and it's all been wiped, you know, so it, yeah. Fucked up. Yeah, we'll never see that. That's it sucks, man. Hopefully I would never say never, Jake, like maybe like scenes will get leaked eventually somewhere. I would never say never, but I don't know as far as like seeing the whole movie. Um it'd be insane if like somebody leaked it somehow and it's like that, you know, like we can watch it as you know, go to a convention and you can buy it like you buy like the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, you know. Yeah, they must have signed off an NDA too, right? Or you'd be hearing like the writers and directors on podcast at this point. Oh no, they've talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The writers talked about it. Like it was a couple. I think no, the directors have talked about it. Um, it was the the two guys that worked on some episodes of Ms. Um, Marvel actually came out. And did an interview about it, talking about how they went into work the next day and everything had been scrubbed off their computers. They had no access to anything at all. So. Well, I don't mean so much the experience, but the contents of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they had to sign NDAs or not. Because we've still never really heard, like, exactly how it was all going to go down. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, when these guys... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can come out with details, you know, of like what the movie, like what was it, what was the movie about? What, what what was it like working with Keaton? How did his Batman show up in this series? Yeah, I'd like to hear that shit. Yeah, me too. Bet's on Paul asleep right now. What do you think, Jake? No, I'm not. I'm fucking with you, Paul. I'm like, do you, oh, all right, I know this is maybe not the best time to ask this, but if they were to announce a recasting of Batman, do either of you have like a number one pick? Hmm. No, I have no idea. 
I'm so bad at this, and Batman's such a tough one. Do you have Brian, any? I think I would go with Glenn Powell. Oh, that's a good pick. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's a damn good pick. Yeah, just dye the hair. Yeah. I mean, he almost has the same hair color as Christian Bale. Yeah. He'd make so... I mean, honestly, Glenn Powell, you could fan cast him in Marvel. Like, Mortal Kombat... I was like, ooh, Cyclops. (laughs) Well, Mortal Kombat, I would love to see him as Johnny Cage. No, I still want Anthony Starr. Uh, uh, Anthony Starr, I would like to see him as the Joker. Yeah. In DC, that'd be fantastic. I mean, of course, like obvious dream casting is Ryan Reynolds. He would be cage. Yeah. Fucking, um, Anthony Starr would be a damn good Luthor too. Oh yeah. But now people got, uh, RDJ as, uh, that's that's the dumbest shit. I've ever (laughs) just guy shaves his fucking head and everybody's like, Oh, professor X, Lex Luthor. I'm just like, come on, just because the guy fucking shaved his head, get out of here. Yeah, they said exactly what movie it was for, too, as well. So. Yeah, I know. That's a, that story's out of control. What's the movie, Paul? Is it for the Oppenheimer movie from Nolan? Uh, I think that was already filmed. That's filmed oh. and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably, they're probably deep into post-production on that one. When, do, when does Oppenheimer come out? Next year sometime. Oh. That looks good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That is all I got, boys. No Star Wars news? Well, you bring it then. Come on, drag this shit out. <laughs> Give me some more news. You can't even watch fucking Andor. Why am I going to bring you Star Wars news? <laughs> <laughs> Spoil Andor for me. Let's hear this shit. Apparently, they're having a hard time getting uh, season two directors for Andor. Hmm. They're also having a harder time getting Jake to finish the fucking first season. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. No, it's not going to be that hard of a time to get me to finish watching Andor. It's going to be a relatively easy time. <laughs> Just giving you shit. I know, I know. There's plenty of things that you could make that criticism against me that would be a hundred percent true. I know. There's things. <laughs> there's things that you act. <laughs> you choose the one exaggeration. I know. There's things you. <laughs> That's what makes it funnier, though. I agree. There's things you actively avoid. <laughs> there's things I can't. I I couldn't pay you to watch certain things. It feels like. No, you've gotten better. I'm. A, yeah, I I can't wait to watch Andor. It's gonna be fun. I've got like five episodes to watch. Oh, so good. So, so good. It's gonna be good. I've heard nothing but like the most raving I've heard about the show has been the week after I stopped watching. Yeah, even, you know, even more reason not to continue with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got to a point where I just waited for it to be over. Jake's just like, out. you know what? Yeah, it's <laughs> a good, good point, good stopping point. <laughs> I'll just wait for it to get collected. <laughs> Fuck that week to week discussion. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah. If you could only watch if you could only watch one more TV series before you died, what would you watch? Oh man. 
With it's all your the- final TV series. Oh, like like that's it's completed or something that's uh, that's going it be, ongoing. It, it could be whatever. It could be. It's the last thing you watch. A, a classic, like. I'll give you enough time to watch the whole thing, though. So if you like, you want to draw it out, you could be like the Simpsons. So I'm getting, like, you, I'm getting ready. I'm so I, I'm getting ready to die. Is what you're saying, right, Jake? <laughs> correct, correct. You were on and your my, deathbed, and so are like I'm okay. I'm on my deathbed, and the thing that I want to do is fi- I'm pushing like family and friends out of the fucking <laughs> out of the door so, so, I, so, so I can finish I mean, the show. Seems, that seems not so far fetched for you. I think we're on character. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what you're complaining about with this scenario. <laughs> what's, what's funny is when it came out of my mouth I was <laughs> You're like, well wait a minute. Fuck. These this are... is a well crafted piece of fiction. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> these are the, the, these are precious moments that I could why leave me alone, Mom. I could be watching I could be watching this new Daredevil series. Um do you have a series? Do you know? Do you know? No, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know what even made me think about it. But I was just like, what would be the last thing? It'd probably, I think it was thinking about me procrastinating about things. If there's anything I haven't watched that I would regret. Ah, I was like, yeah. if I knew I had a week left to live or something. For me, it would probably be The Sopranos. I've never seen The Sopranos. Oh, wow. That would, man, that'd be wild. Watching the last episode, you'd be like, eh. Time to go. <laughs> Stop at season four. Yeah, I'd probably. Yeah, like. that show's a real shame. It's a great fucking show, and I love it. And it was kind of the beginning of like headline TV in a way. But man, it was well publicized that they meant to only go four seasons and that they threw money at the people for two extra seasons. Mm. And you, you feel those seasons. Like you, it's almost game of thrones like where it's like here's where the story was meant to stop and here's where they just did whatever the fuck so okay they then, I, these checks. then it wouldn't be sopranos here here it is here's my final answer it would be boardwalk empire mm. oh, that, and you haven't seen it haven't oh wow yeah that's a pretty good answer yeah so it'd be board i i don't want to I, I don't want my last fucking show before i leave this world you know to be something that ends, you know, kind of shitty. So I, I, (laughs) (laughs) do you know about the legend of the final episode of Sopranos? It does a hard cut to black. Yeah. I know about that. And like people's like cable cup, the cable companies, like lines fucking broke because everyone thought their HBO cut off at the end of the episode. I was one of those. Yeah. Dumbass motherfuckers are calling the cable company. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm actually a last episode defender. The, if you stack it up against the rest of the episodes of that season, it's like the best episode. Hmm. Yeah, there's oh man. All right, yeah. but yeah, that's that's not a bad answer. Boardwalk Empire. I want to see that too. Heard nothing but good things. Yeah, yeah. I've heard nothing but great things about Steve Buscemi in that show. Paul, do you have a deathbed show? I feel like I would have to go to a tried and true. That's what I was thinking. I my brain immediately went to like a Cheers or a Seinfeld. Like I'm thinking Parks and Rec or like the West Wing. 
Yeah, those are both good answers. I've been thinking about doing a Parks and Rec rewatch recently. Yeah, oh, so good. it's been like four or five years. It's been a long time, yeah. Yeah, if I went with the tried or true, it'd probably be fuck. Probably be Frasier. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Some I think Paul said Daredevil, and it's like, oof, I, you, you don't even know. Or did you what? mean the original? What? Did, I thought I heard you say Daredevil. For a, for a show? Yeah. No, Parks and Rec or the West Wing. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <sighs> Give me in this fucker. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Paul. That's all the news I got. I don't know. Paul, do you have anything to plug? Uh, you know what? My new uh, totally reliable pop culture news website called thebleedingheart.com. Sorry, that was a bad joke. Apples to oranges. We're an anchor now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most enthusiastic plug I've ever heard on this podcast. Look at my joke completely failed. Oh God! I thought I I took it. It was too deadpan. I thought you really had a, a website. I was like, oh, nice, Paul. <laughs> Good for you, sir. Yeah. Oh man, okay. I feel like maybe. <laughs> uh, I feel like maybe I should talk Sorry, like the, Brian. Maybe I should talk like the Beaver again. I don't know. No, you said no more. <laughs> You said that was played out. I have to. It might be the only thing that can save it. (laughs) All right. Oh, that was the worst plug I've ever heard on this podcast. Yeah, that was pitiful. I feel terrible. That was like Jake's intro last week (laughs) for the show. That was pitiful. All right. And until next week, we'll oh, put an lid on it. <laughs> Thank you, Dave Coulier. <laughs> Cut it out later. Uh, feel sorry. I feel I feel so bad for Alanis that she gave a shit about that. Uh. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. All right, let's end this fucker. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate having you on, dude. Thank you, man. This is awesome. We'll see you. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it, race it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. 
What's his name's already been said Let's go, pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Podcasts that are original and good Have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. I'm the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.